Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Yo, what's up, Gypsy gang? We are back for another episode of the Gypsy Tales podcast. And as always, stoked to bring you this special edition, uh, chapter 222, which is crazy. Try to get Antonio Caroli. He was busy racing the outdoors. Uh, so my guest on the podcast is Sean Whale from Four Wheel Drive 24-7 and uh, been wanting to get Sean on for a really long time. Um, Maddie actually um, invited him out to do some stuff with Can-Am uh, for a shoot that they did and then uh, we got talking. This was like a couple of years ago. He was telling me like how gnarly their YouTube channel is, um, the commercial side, uh, what they of what these guys do, uh, how much they've grown the business, and uh, I kind of started following along with the content, and they just do some amazing stuff. Um, they kill it numbers wise on YouTube, um, and it's mostly an Australian audience as well. So, um, as someone that makes content for a living, it was pretty cool. Um, to have Sean on the podcast and I guess hear a little bit about his journey and his story Um, and it's funny the guys that end up I guess doing this for a living oftentimes have fairly similar stories Uh, and myself and Sean actually I guess share a bunch of uh, similarities so this was a really fun podcast I think you guys will really enjoy it Um, if you are listening um, from the four-wheel drive 24-7 audience welcome to Gypsy Tales um, I hope you enjoy. Check out the uh, hundreds of other episodes that we've done with some uh, some pretty legendary people. Um, and yeah, again, welcome if it's your first time. Uh, just do the ads before we get into the show. Uh, we are brought to you by the guys at Tropical Auto Group, Rockhampton. If you need a new Ford, Isuzu, Mitsubishi or Kia, you are going to hit up these guys at Tropical Auto Group in Rockhampton. You're going to ask for Kyle. If you mention Gypsy Tales, you are going to get $500 voucher um, at MX Store. So these guys are massive supporters of not only uh, the Gypsy Tales podcast, but they're massive supporters of the motocross community in general, um, sponsoring a bunch of events and clubs uh, in the far north Queensland region. So Kyle has been with us for a really long time. This is a new uh, venture for him. So support the people that support our show uh, by going to Tropical Auto Group Rockhampton. Um, We're also brought to you by the guys at CTO Industries. That's ctoindustries.com.au. CTO stands for Canopies, Touring and Off-Road. We got a D-Max from the guys at Tropical Auto Group and it is going straight down to Melbourne to CTO to get rigged out for our trip to Cape York, which uh, we actually talk about quite extensively uh, in this podcast, but the guys at CTO do all of your accessories for uh, for your off-road living. Uh, they do electrical, they do fuel tanks, they do lighting, they do power steps, they do recovery gear, they do some of the best rooftop tents in the business, and then of course wheels, tires, and suspension. So hit up Mitch and the team at CTO. Uh, they really specialize in the American import stuff as well. So if you've got a big truck, that's probably the place to send it to. So once again, ctoindustries.com.au. 
We're also brought to you by the guys at MX Store. That is mxstore.com.au. Best in the game. Largest parts of online, uh, part, largest range of online parts and accessories in Australia, hands down. You also get same day shipping if you order before 2 p.m. I went in there and absolutely cleaned up yesterday uh, for the 350 build that we are building for Battle in the Bush, which is this weekend at Conondale. Um, entries are closed, but if you are keen to come and hang, just get some really good moto vibes going. Uh, Conondale is obviously one of Australia's iconic tracks, and it will be an epic weekend. Um, we're also brought to you by the guys at Boost Mobile. You can head to boostmobile.com.au. I'm on that 300, uh, $300, 300 gig deal. It's like the best uh, or the biggest data pack that they do. We've been with Boost for a really long time, and I see absolutely no reason for me to switch. They are with uh, the Telstra network. It's the best coverage. I think they have the best plans uh, and big supporters of not only this show, but action sports in general. Uh, and again, just support the people that support you, you know. Uh, as well as the guys at Rival Inc. Design Co. You can head to rivalincdesignco.com, fisthandwear.com, and dixonflannel.com, uh, dixonquality.com.au. Uh, the code Gypsy Gang is going to get you 15% off at those websites. And uh, also, we're just about at 100,000 subs on YouTube. So if you can head to Gypsy Tales, if you're not subscribed already, even just I think you just log in with your Gmail account. So if you're listening and you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, just give us a fucking sub, would you? Um, appreciate it. This was a great episode. I really enjoyed this one. I hope you guys do as well. Right, oh, no, Sean Whale from Full Drive 24-7 joins us on the podcast. I've been wanting to do this one with you for a while, so we're here, we're doing it. Yeah, mate, I'm excited, and it's my first podcast too, so yeah, pretty excited about that as well. I, I thought that you would have done more of these, being the, the big deal that you are in the Aussie 4x4 industry, but you're just flying <laughs> under the radar and uh, making your own content. I'm usually at a reception, I think. That's what I'm going to put it down to. <laughs> well, so the I think there's, there's probably been like three times I've reached out. Yep. And then I think all three times you were back in two weeks because you're up the Cape, you're yep. in Northern Territory and somewhere else. So I was like, I ain't mad at it. I ain't yeah. mad at it. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. And you guys are nice and local too. So it worked out perfect. So no, nah, it's good, man. Excited to be part of the podcast and, um, and have a bit of a chat. It'd be cool. No, nah, sweet. So the last trip you're up in Cape, you're okay? Yeah, just got back. Um, still drying the swag out at the moment. Um, How's that going? Yeah, it was cool. It was a cool trip. Like... Um, I've been to Cape York plenty of times, but we try and make it different every time we go up there. So this time, um, I took up an old, I call it the farm truck. Yeah, it's an old 47 yeah. series from 1984. Um, it shakes and rattles a hell of a lot. And we took it up there and my mate Graham, he took an old G60, which is like the first of the patrols yeah. from like 1976 or whatever it is. And, um, yeah, we just did two weeks driving those old cars around so that was pretty epic it was it keeps it exciting you know so what's the route that you guys kind of went um on this one we did the telly track which yep. which is probably the most iconic track up there the old telly track and um we were you know in luck i suppose this year because we had a a really early, like a really late wet season so yep. all the rivers are really really deep and nice. there was heaps of water around and um we're in these old cars with no lockers no lift standard tires yeah and just just wheeling the piss out of him. It was it was so much fun. And then we did, so after that we did the the Frenchman's track. Yeah. And um and then we did this like weird one that sort of joined up to the old coach road and did a bunch of like sort of new stuff we haven't done yet. So yeah, that's a rough road, eh, mate. 
you know what? It's my least favourite track probably in Australia, the Old Coast Road. It's That's hard, my it's, least favourite track on the way to the Cape. Yeah, it's it's I've done it I've done it like three times or four times now and um I don't know, it's it doesn't it's just a it, kind of a road. It, it is it is it doesn't do any favors for me especially driving like an older car i was, I was driving um the dirty 30 which is like a 60 series on an 80 series chassis and so yeah. it's a pretty comfortable sort of rig but still it's just slow it's tedious it's dusty yeah and yeah it's just there's no swimming holes there's, no, there's nothing worthwhile on that track really there's a couple of hard bits but that's yeah. about it there's so much history in that area that's, though like when you get to yeah. maytown yeah and then you've got all of the the gold that come out of there and there's still you hear stories uh of people that still live out there and are still like oh, yeah. mining gold and probably grow i've met some of them they're, really there's some crazy people behind there's those like hills people that man. Just like, oh, mate. they're just like shooting at you as soon as you're near yeah. them and shit yeah yeah we so we, we we got into this track right and um we were behind the old coach road somewhere and this you know i've got access to get into this special spot and there's a whole stack of leases so one day we decided we'll camp down beside this like creek bed and then um these dudes had like followed our tire tracks because they thought we were there to try and like yeah fossic gold or whatever yeah. and, and especially yeah. down by the river and shit yeah yeah so they they, they track tracked us down they couldn't believe their eyes when they saw us because they actually they watched the, the show and stuff yeah, yeah so yeah. it was pretty cool but they were saying yeah they get heaps of people come in at night time like it's, yeah. it's full on like the whole gold scene up there is wild it still happens yeah you know from the 1800s like till now it's just hasn't really stopped there there's i grew up in cairns so oh yeah we, so right. i got like a little bit of knowledge around that area but yeah you used to hear some crazy stories um and a lot of it was a lot of chinese were up there originally and um they were the ones that built a lot of the roads and a, yep. lot, of, a lot of the infrastructure um up there and you can still go through that at, at i guess it's like must be like Maytown, like yep. in town centre or whatever, where like they've got all the shacks and stuff. Exactly. If you kind of rummage through all there, you see a bunch of Chinese artifacts and shit. It's, it's mental. They had 30,000 people in the late sort of 1800s living there. They had like multitude of pubs. They had yeah. like hotels. They had convenience stores. Some of the milling equipment was like, it's so massive that they carry it with like bullocks and cart from melbourne which took them six months to get it up there you know like crazy stuff well, you yeah it puts it in perspective you know you say oh i'm doing it tough on this old road yeah you, yeah. you think back to these dudes are doing it proper tough like yeah. back in the day holy heck like. we uh we we're actually going up there end of august so oh it's yeah good to know the conditions are, are yeah good. yeah um, still as dusty and rough as ever <laughs> <laughs> yeah well we're so we're gonna ride bikes so we, oh, yeah, we, yeah. we ride bikes um when we go up i yeah. think we did it in 2019 and then we were going to do it last year but covid screwed it over so it's been pushed back to this year yeah but um i think it's just the man it's just the up there it's probably nostalgia from growing up there but i just fucking love it up there man it's eh? It's it's such a special place it really is this is my 11th time to cape york now this year yeah and every like i'm still as passionate as the first time i was going up there there's still heaps of new spots i haven't seen before and um I'll get a kick out of it every every time I get get up there. I sort of go a bit feral as well. I, I do a you bit. Yeah, share. And you're nah, man. Yeah. You swim when you can and all yeah, that sort of yeah. stuff. And and like this year, I was lucky enough. I did the Northern Territory, and I spent a good three and a half weeks in the Territory. I spent like three and a half weeks in the Cape. So you know, seven weeks in the top end this year already. Yeah. I sort of this is my first week of winter. Really? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's a bit of a culture shock. Yeah, um, it's just such like there's so much cool history up there, and I think uh, the whole I guess Captain Cook and the impact that he made on that area and Cooktown. I think Cooktown's super underrated. Yep. And I mean, I I don't know whether 
it ever kind of gets developed more than it is but i mean yeah. fuck it's so it's beautiful in terms of a sleepy just, little place yeah yes. like where it is i mean i think we come the back way through from like cohen yep we rode and then ended up in cooktown and you kind of okay. come through the back you gotta call, yeah you've got a, a couple of causeways and then you've kind of got this nice windy uh i guess like range sort of road and you can see the you can see uh, the cooktown harbor and it's just man there was me my dad and my brother and we were all on bikes and we just had this massive slog to get there and you just had this kind of epic scene revealed i was like fuck this is one of the coolest things i've ever done on a bike it's a special place up there and to be able to do a trip with your dad and brother and stuff like that's pretty wild that's I gotta I gotta book something in like that I think just to do a one August, no mate. cameras August yeah there you go I just yeah. gotta learn how to ride a bike between now and then <laughs> <laughs> do you, can you ride uh technically yes but no yeah so right. like if I had to get home like I mean there was no yeah. other means <laughs> yeah. of transport I would, figure it out I'd sort of get home and um it'd be pretty ugly to watch but um i'm certainly not a writer that's for sure it'd be sick to do like i mean it's such a different way to see the cape because i guess that's probably would be one of the challenges for you with the the content that you make is like we're doing a similar trip yeah in a similar scenery how do we make it that look and feel different that would be cool like doing that or taking like a side by side up mm. there or something would be ugh, that'd be loose man like I, I speak to a lot because i see a lot of dudes on bikes up there on tour groups and stuff yeah. like every year and those dudes like like so we when we're filming we, we take ages man like every track we do it takes about 10 times longer than mm. average but we take about four days to film the old telly track and these guys you know if you were with your family you'd do it comfortably in two days maybe yeah. three if you're taking your time right these dudes on bikes are doing it in half a day oh yeah they're, they're in and out and they're they'll do that and the frenchman's in a day and you're like that's two weeks of my life to do that yeah right? really yeah. yeah well that's pretty much what we do like we'll do yeah. the telly track in the morning so i think we'll um do we leave from morton station and then start, i think we're morton yeah. station and then start the telly track yeah so you've still got like 100 k's before you even get to the telly yeah. oh yeah yeah, yeah. We, just, there, there was heaps of roadworks last time that yeah. we were there right before that section or maybe it was right after and uh fuck it was the most epic thing ever because it's fully graded road yeah and it had that nice little bit of thick sort of topsoil it wasn't bulldust yet and yeah, corrugation right. and man we were just all ripping the bikes just wide open down That'd these so roads eh? it was so much fun i can only it, dream of stuff when i'm driving an old farm truck like you know yeah, when you get a tailwind yeah. you're lucky to get 80 clicks an hour <laughs> yeah well man we're probably doing like maybe 140 for, really yeah for like a fair kind yeah, of while. The, the roads up there i've got to say like this year in particular are so nice that yeah. it's changed so much i've been going only for what 10 11 years now but um there's so much bitumen now you'll be shocked even just going yeah, up this year between yeah. last year and this year is a huge difference yeah there's so it's much probably more that bitumen. kind of area yeah there. well still that bit's all dirt like up towards bramwell and stuff like yeah, that's all sort yeah. of dirt but there's, yeah. there's just big portions of um bitumen everywhere now yeah which which is good for the locals i mean they're that's yeah. it. that's their <laughs> yeah. road they use every day you know what i mean but um for us it's it's sort of change in the nature of cape york a little bit yeah well and i guess it probably just puts more of a emphasis on going through stations and trying to get good access to you know different places so yeah. that you kind of can avoid the, yeah. the the main roads but it sounds like that trip was fairly similar to what we do like i think um yeah we'll do coach road first day get to laura um yep. and then we that from laura we ride through um there's like an aboriginal um 
I guess it's like like Aboriginal land that you go through to get to Cohen um, and then up through there and then you do, yeah, like Teletrack and then um, Frenchman's and... Yeah, it's a, but I think that's a pretty similar ride to what we do. But it's, cool. it's so on, much fun, man. On a bike, that'd be that'd be an eye opener for me. I'd, I'd love to do it. I'd love to do it should, one day. You should try it. Yeah, Come, we should get you out just to go for like a bit of a ride. Because yeah. I mean, it's not like that gnarly to do. Like if you can, you know, you've driven the tracks. Like yeah, it's, it's not like you're sending it the whole time. Like, no, that's right. You kind of got such a. I think we've probably got twenty riders going this year, or close to twenty riders. Yeah, wow. Well. And uh, you know, all different kind of skill levels yeah. and stuff. So oh, it'd, it'd be a pretty hoot. epic be adventure a for you. I've seen the dudes; they're just having so much fun. They're covered in red dust, and they're yeah. just, just loving it. They pull up at like you know the Exchange Hotel and Cowan for the night. Yeah, and, yeah, know, yeah. A few beers had by all sort of thing. <laughs> the uh, the the Mullies that own uh, the pub in Cowan, yeah. they actually were the president like that the Mully family was like president of the brothers leagues football club oh, right in eh? when i was a kid so right like eh? even for us we go up there and and those guys um we've known them since we we're like three oh. years old it's, a, it's just a crazy i cool love that place. i've had so many big nights at that we call it the crab trap um, <laughs> yeah. the exchange hotels yeah. once you get in you just can't get out you, you're stuck there yeah. all yeah. night <laughs> dude we were there the other the the last time that we were there sleepy night at like anything else and then we had our feed and then we walked down the back and we like camped down the yeah. back under the the mango trees yeah and then at eight o'clock everyone's in bed eight thirty, and then all of a sudden we hear some karaoke and then we're like all right fair enough there's like a random karaoke deal going on couple hours later full fucking dj set yeah <laughs> there you we, go we get up wouldn't surprise and the me the place is heaving yeah. like it went from just outback country pub to fucking full ibiza yeah. <laughs> outback ibiza just, in a matter yeah. of three hours that can happen that can happen <laughs> yeah oh, yeah uh, good i love i love that place i've had so many memorable times because cohen's like a bit of a spot for us where we sort of maybe regroup in between like filming up there and stuff so we usually turn one on when we get to go yeah 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 it's like that yeah. that point in the trip where you kind of yeah. need it yeah absolutely yeah so what's a trip like that um look like in terms of uh production because i mean we're yep. going to be filming that trip we're, oh cool we're probably ours is probably a, like a lot more run and gun though like a, yeah. a lot less setup stuff um just because we're going with so many people so it'd be more like kind of vloggy style yeah but, but you guys are going specifically with the intent to film yeah so like what's that look like these days yeah like um i suppose it's, it's the same doesn't matter where we go really um we 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 sort of we're, we're pretty casual about it all i mean a lot of people think you know we we, we get told where to go and then you know uh, you know helicopter flies us out at the end of the day you know yeah, sleep in a hotel yeah, or whatever yeah. no, it's not the case we we literally some of our best ideas have come up when we're on another trip we might be at an outback pub or something like that we'll come up with a bunch of ideas of where we want to go because at the end of the day for graham myself the other presenters on the trip if we're excited about a location yeah. we're going to be a lot more passionate and, and want to do it so um we pretty much decide where we're going to go and how we're going to drive what angle like for this year it was taking the old trucks up a nissan yeah, versus toyota yeah. thing and we we're pretty passionate about that um toyota one as well a bit of a <laughs> let you know yeah, yeah exactly let you know mate <laughs> the old nissan no she did well actually that old truck but um yeah but you know something we're passionate about and then we start the planning process i guess we can't get what we've done it so many times um yeah we have like a camera car like a dedicated vehicle that's usually at the front um we've got three crew in their production crew that 
on the road like a producer who's also probably camera a yeah um camera b a photographer slash social media sort of dude and um that's pretty much it and then you know we're a little bit bare bones and then we um just the way we sort of set it all up it's it, those guys you know they've pretty professional they're, they're good at what they do they yeah. just they keep us in line as well without them would be would be hopeless and are they like an in-house team yeah. that you got that you've built from the ground up yeah yeah so we've got our our crew um which is you know it's probably the lifeblood of what we do like our yeah. team is you know we got dude they're so passionate about what what goes on like with the filming side of things as well um and they just you know these these dudes are like and when I say that, I mean this in a literal sense. Not, I'm not exaggerating here. But they'll be up getting sunrise shots. You know, not just for one day because it's a bit of a novelty. Yeah. Every single day for three weeks, yeah. they'll be getting shots of you getting out of your swag, putting your shoes on in the morning. So they're sitting around with a camera from about six o'clock onwards. Yeah. We film all day. Um, they're they're always running up and down mountains. You know, wading through you know river crossings and stuff like that and um so they work all day then it, we get to a campsite in the evening we might film the campsite we might do a, a cooking scene or something like that and then um these dudes will when we finish that it might be like nine ten o'clock at night we're buggered we're sitting down outside of your campfire having a few beers those dudes going back footage up for the, like another hour or two yeah and then they do it all again the next day like yeah. they're insane you, you can't do that unless you're passionate about what you do eh yeah so, no it's a it's an early lifestyle the, yeah that, that film lifestyle oh it is man and like people can't cut it like it seems like the best job in the world and it, and it is i can tell you that but um the reality is it's a, it's a lot of hard work like these dudes are you know they're working so bloody hard when we're out in the field i shouldn't say that in case they're listening because um <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. i'll get a big head but no it's true like they're, they're very passionate and like the, the the team we have we couldn't do our trips without the team like everyone is solid through the whole team like we've done some really tough ones before which which i mean tough in the sense that uh, you, you might be off the grid for 20 nights mm. living in a swag 35 40 degree heat every day mosquitoes um everything's wet because you've been going through river crossings and you're living like that for 20 uh, you know out in the scrub no reception yeah working out of a you know a car with three blokes out of a camera car like it's, it's dust in everywhere yeah you've got to you got to be a certain cut of person to yeah. survive doing that sort of stuff because you know it's easier for me and graham we've got our own rigs you know we, we can sort of just jump in our own car and get a bit of you know time out but yeah. these dudes are just going full stop but it wasn't like that always though not really like not really i guess yeah um we 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 started off bare bones so when we first we started off in magazines before we, we didn't even do yeah so how long have you been in the game really like oh. if you put a number on your first like entrance into the media world or yeah. like content world i guess almost from day dot a like i guess i i sort of joined the off-road industry at about 20 21 and yeah. i'm like 37 now so yeah yeah for a fair time i've been doing it for a long long time before social media before youtube was really a thing yeah um yeah and we were just doing a print magazine back in the day and then and then we started it was it's quite a it's quite an interesting story a lot of people don't really remember because they don't remember you know 15 yeah. years ago buying print mags but that was the thing back in the day and um we had this magazine called full drive monthly it was yeah. called when i first started and then um we changed to full drive action and we were doing 17 issues of a 300 plus page magazine 
a year. Wow. So and then and then we bolted on DVDs. So we're actually doing VHSs back yeah, in the day, yeah, eh? yeah, yeah. but um, then we bolted on DVDs, which were these trips. Is essentially the blueprint of what we're doing now. But back then we had one cameraman. He was camera A, camera B, producer. Um, editor yeah just he was the deal he, he was yeah, a dude yeah, and, yeah. and then there would be like one person um, in front of the camera or maybe two or three and you'd just go and do a trip and it was it was pretty bare bones it was awesome actually like you know that's how we sort of first cut our teeth doing that sort of stuff and um, and then then the DVDs became probably more popular in the yeah, magazine people yeah. were buying the mag for, for the DVD yeah it was yeah. insane yeah. so um, and that, that was pretty cool and um I, I tried to get myself on the DVDs just for the point of view that I didn't want to be stuck in an office. I thought, how good is this? Imagine yeah, getting paid yeah, to go yeah. to Cape York or these cool places. So um, so I had a crack doing that. And um, and it was only because I, I sort of was never destined for that sort of thing. I was doing a lot of publishing stuff. I was, I guess, probably more useful in the office yeah. doing like the publishing side, making magazines sell. That was my background. And um, but I just loved, I just loved the lifestyle, and I just kept when there was an opportunity, like someone pulled out or something like that, I put my hand up, I'm, I'm out, and then um, I ended up sort of transitioning from publishing and office bound stuff into, into I guess trips and and doing this full time. That's so sick. So, what was what were you doing, like nineteen twenty? Like you said, you joined yep. at twenty one. What was those kind of years yeah. like after school? And did you have a because, man, crazy similarities in our story. Yeah. Um, I left Cairns when I was like 18, moved to Melbourne to work for a magazine and I was writing. Um, and then it was really similar in motocross. Like the motocross DVDs on the front of yeah. the magazines were so popular. There you go. And, um, and I, I ended up quitting the magazine that I worked for. I just really didn't like the guy that ran the magazine, just butted heads. And Mm -hmm. it was right, it was probably 2007, I want to say. And um, I started a a blog, like a motocross blog. There was just none of them. There was one in Australia, but it was more of a forum. It wasn't content. Forums used to be big. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was a a huge forum. It's still up now, full noise. Yeah. And and I was like, well, I want to do a website, but I want it to be content. I don't want a forum. And there was no websites that didn't have forums. So I was like, just content and I want to do that. And then instead of doing the magazine DVDs, I'll just do the DVD. Like I'll put the content online. And mm. I think I had Vimeo because YouTube wasn't even yeah. really. I remember like, Vimeo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that wasn't even really kind of doing its thing. So yeah, I mean, same, like very, very, very similar, similar story. Very similar. And I think I'm 34 for this year so yeah. we're even similar age yeah you know? well you'll get these gray hairs soon mate they, them, they, no come, they come like in the last like three or four years yeah, i reckon yeah. just sprouted all <laughs> i reckon that's when you get staff sorry Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> as, soon as, as soon as you get staff i reckon the gray hairs come because maddie's got a fucking full head and yeah the staff it happens like so years. quick hey i'll look back at even photos of me from like two years ago yeah. and I'll just go holy heck I've aged eh? <laughs> not like a good bottle of wine either just not like, like Clooney age no no not quite just age proper just wetted uh, <laughs> that's so good but yeah but yeah look yeah we've got a very similar story um, before before I got into magazines like I'd always had an interest in media I suppose yeah. so I studied journalism and oh, okay. and that's quite a rare thing especially in the magazine world because you know magazines don't look for journalists like they look for passionate like enthusiasts. contributors yeah like you know i studied journalism i actually sort of i didn't drop out i just stopped going really um after about two years i ended up picking it back up five years later right and finishing the degree just just cause it yeah the degree yeah. i guess what i'm saying it didn't really help me 
get into the space. It was, you know, passion. Being an enthusiast was what was it all about. And um, but before that, man, I was I was working at a bar. Um, I was a labourer for a builder and driving tip trucks. So I was working three jobs and doing a bit of uni on the side, sort of thing. And um, and then just just passionate about so. Fishing was my... I used to love spear fishing. Fishing, yeah. I still do, man. I, I love it. That's what I... It's most of your Instagram. Yeah, I just froth. I don't, <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. care as well. I know yeah. I'm, I'm a four-wheel driver, but I, I love fishing, man. Yeah. That's that's what it's about. Um, and that's how I got into four-wheel driving because I... You have to get to the spot to get the fish. Exactly, man. The further you can go off-road or where the other people don't go, probably the better fishing. So yeah. I, bu- I, I bought... Well, my first car when I was, you know, 16, 17 was a little Suzuki Sierra four-wheel drive. Yeah. And... Um, and yeah, and I just started full driving to go to to spearfish off different headlands. That, you know, more remote the better. So yeah. the harder the track to get in, less people. Yeah, yeah and that's how I started full wheel driving. So I've always been into full wheel driving, but as a means to go fishing or whatever. And then, um, you know, you, you when you driving tip trucks and stuff like that, you know, you you, you want to be in media, not driving tip trucks yeah. for your whole life. So yeah. I was like, okay, I, I want a writing job. I want to get into print media, and um, I. I applied for I applied for three jobs. I remember one was Hot Fours magazine. Do you remember that? Yeah, Hot yeah, Fours yeah. mag. It was just a car mag. Yeah. I had no real experience with hotted cars. I drove a Suzuki Sierra. For, if I'm yeah. sake, you know what I mean? Yeah. But um, I applied for that one. They said no. You got no experience. Which fair enough. Good call. Um, I applied for a, a finance magazine. Right. Again, I had no idea about finance, right? Or, you know, and then I applied for Four Wheel Drive Monthly, three magazines. So, Four Wheel Drive Monthly never got back to me right at the get go, and I got offered this job at this finance mag. So, I'm working um, Mortgage Professional Australia, I think it was called. It was a mortgage magazine where the audience is mortgage brokers, and you got to imagine, Unreal. yeah. So here I am, like working on roofs and you know carrying bits of cement and stuff like that, and then driving tip trucks, working at a bar. Not exactly got heaps of experience in finance. I did that for like eight months and then um, I got this call out of the blue saying, hey, you should come in for an interview with the Full Drive magazine. And I was like, I felt really bad because I'd just been offered this job and the, the dude, like the editor at the time gave, took a bit of a, you know, he's out of a limb. Risk, yeah, yeah, a bit yeah. of a risk putting me on because I didn't, you know, and I learned a lot in six, eight months or whatever and I sort of even, dec- I declined the Full Drive job and um, at the... At, oh, really? Yeah, because I felt bad and, and it wasn't sitting with me right. And luckily, and I'm still working with this guy today, um, Glenn, um, he kept he kept um, hassling me basically to come in for an interview. And I was like, I've got to do it. And, um, and the kicker was right. So it doesn't sound like a crazy thing at the time, but I was earning about 38 grand a year doing the, the finance mag. And I think the job offer was for 30 grand to go to the full drive mag. So... Yeah, it doesn't sound like a lot, but at that time, at time yeah. I was like, that's a pretty big pay reduction. But I went, you know what, fuck it. I'm passionate about four-wheel drives. I'm going to jump into this. Yeah. You know, and then I did. And then that was, yeah, I was like 21. And um, yeah, been in the game since. It's uh, it's funny. I mean, I, I, I use the word luck in a weird way because yeah. in some sense, I think all of life is luck just purely based on the fact that you don't pick your parents you don't pick where you grew up you nah. don't pick any of the economic times the peace that you know what i mean like the status of your country that there's so much shit that you kind of don't pick throughout your life and you kind of just you're almost like shot out of a cannon and then you're just fucking doing what you're doing yeah but i mean i guess there's like there is just really good luck in the sense that you're who you were and around the people that you were and that you had the interest but there's also something to be said um about like the way that you make 
luck for but, yourself and the yeah. way that you can kind of influence the way that luck um unfolds throughout your life and i mean if you look back and i know i feel the exact same way i'm like man i still to this day i when i bought a camera my first camera i had no fucking experience like we didn't even own a camera as a family like i don't yeah. really have that many photos as a kid we'd never had a video like none of that and, shit yeah, why? and i got in i yeah. got into it and that was the thing that set my whole life in motion and it's it's a similar sort of thing you know like you you, you can't help but feel lucky in a sense that you find something that really young that you can really build a foundation, like really sure. pour your life into. For sure. Like I think back, like what if I, you know, was so worried about what I was earning at the time that I didn't take the punt on the four wheel drive magazine. Like, yeah. could I see myself as a What's eight fine, grand? Yeah, now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But at the time it was a hell of a lot. Yeah. Like, you know, that means there was a lot less beer money and, yeah. you know, rent wasn't cheap when I was a kid. And, um, but at the time I went with my gut and, um, and I've always sort of done that as well. Just go with your gut and it, it sort of works itself out in a weird way. Yeah. Like, um, I'm so stoked because I, I reckon I'd be Australia's worst finance journalist if, if I was doing that <laughs> stuff right now. You yeah. know what I mean? But, um, no, nah, it was, it was good. And, and, and like, I wasn't even, when I, when I got employed by the magazine, I wasn't even a journalist and mind you, I'd, I'd been studying journalism and that's what I wanted to be. So I was washing cars doing errands um you know it was a bit of a step back in sort of your media career Roll, per se yeah, but yeah. i was like fuck it if i'd rather wash a car than write about finance or yeah. i'd rather do something I'm passionate about and that's sort of i've stuck with that my whole life if i'm passionate about something i'll give it everything if i'm not it's hard to, yeah it's yeah. hard work so yeah. yeah so that's yeah that was you know that was that was one of the best decisions i ever made and um and yeah we're just in the print print game and then I was doing new car reviews and doing some really cool stuff back in back in print media. It was really fun. And and you said before you always were interested in like media and content. Do you ever think about why that was? I I, th I think I think because it offered so much variety of your day job. Like mm. like if you're a news journalist, you're out covering a whole different heap of things. You never got two days the same. And I was thinking like. <laughs> I guess, you know, it'd be cool to like go on assignments, do things, travel, do all this sort of stuff for work rather than sitting in an office and staring out a window all day. Yeah. That's where I guess my motivation was just to, just to, do, and to do something you're really passionate about. Like that, for me, that's, that's, that's where it's at. And, and did that kind of transition over time as you started creating more, uh, like, I guess things people enjoy? Cause that's sort of how I feel about, this job and I guess what I always did is I, I loved I guess I loved consuming content yeah. as a kid because um, I was kind of right in the internet age but it wasn't social media so the internet wasn't scrolling back then it was like looking for things you really yeah. wanted to see and the way that uh, like the interest and for me it was motocross and supercross so I used to just dive in and just try and find clips of pros riding it was like this mm. I don't know, there was something so cool about finding content that you really related to yeah. and then maybe the fact that we live so far away from all of that but for me even now to this day i mean i spent like five hours yesterday like fucking with a four minute edit that we're putting out of our europe trip and i'm yeah. like i just i love making things that yeah. other people enjoy and then the podcast is natural for that too you know you put something out it's three hours out of our time and you know for it gets listened to by hundreds of thousands of people and they all really like the thing that yeah. you've made there's something really cool it's to satisfying that. isn't it like when you do 
put some cool content out that resonates with people. I, the cool thing is I get to go to a lot, heaps of four-wheel drive shows and I get to I get to not just see the comments, you know, on YouTube yeah, and Facebook and all that stuff, people. but I see real people. And when people come up to yeah and say, there's so many stories, but like people, you know, might be fighting depression, say, yeah. and say, man, I was in a dark place and I watched a heap of your videos. They're so much fun. It got me into four-wheel driving and, you yeah, know, it was the yeah. best thing for me, blah, blah. Or, you know, they've reconnected with their kid because yeah. you're taking them out camping, four-wheel driving. You think... You think, holy shit, that's it's actually it's, special. It's 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 yeah, it's doing something more than just you know, it's not just a job. Like said, people are really getting into this content. And that that means a hell of a lot when it changes people's lives and they thank you. They're, yeah. they're like so appreciative because it it's helped them do something that they really enjoy. It's given them a passion or something. You know, was it a weird transition point in a sense when uh, it got to that level? Because, uh, like, for me, we... It was probably, like, maybe three years in when I really started to do good. And you, I was getting, like, a lot of that feedback. But then I was also getting a lot more, from, yeah. like, personally. And then it was, like, a real weird feeling. Like, I almost didn't really feel worthy of, like, the way that people would say those you know those sorts of stories and yeah. then the things that you'd get offered and the trips you'd get to like I'd, I actually started feeling a little bit kind of like weird about it yeah. but then I don't know there's like a weird rationale that you've got to kind of come uh, to grips with maybe in your own mind a little yeah. bit because I, I was just like look I just I feel genuine about what I'm doing I love that people get something out of this and I guess a benefit of that is it it gets reciprocated like it was just a real weird thing yeah. to juggle for a while I think I think you've got similar motivations to me. I mean, at the end of the day, you want to put cool content out. You're not looking for the fame or the, mm. the accolades that go with that. That's that's always been where I've been from. I I couldn't care less if no one watched what I did. <laughs> I really couldn't because I'm so passionate about doing what I do that you do it anyway. For, unfortunately, I need people to watch what I do because otherwise, I, I don't have a job doing it. It's a bit of a catch twenty two, right? Yeah, but. You know, some people get into this game because yes. they're seeking that fame. That's they, they wouldn't give a shit if they're doing a gardening magazine, a cricket show, or a, you know how to do ten. And you would have met those people. Uh, too it's many. Weird, of them. eh? Too many of them, yeah. and, they're, and they're what can I get for free for my car? Or you know, everyone can get an Insta page these days, and and um, you know, some of the motivations I guess are just a little bit obscure, and that's the wrong reason probably to get into media. I think if you're genuine about making cool content, you're passionate yourself. That will come through probably more so than just wanting to be in front of a camera. You know what I mean? I, cou I couldn't care less about that side of it. I um, I wish our trips weren't filmed, to be honest, because I'd have way more fun. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I get away with doing heaps more stuff. But, um, you know, that's... But that's not the economics of it. No, nah, unfortunately. We've got to film what we do. And, yeah, we've got sponsors and stuff now. So it's, it's changed a little bit in, in, in how we do it. But we're still, we're still passionate about it, which is why we keep doing it. The uh, It's funny my biggest fear for so long was uh, I was like man I just so badly hope that people don't think that this is an ego thing and yeah. this is like a fame project and I was so worried about it for literally I reckon the first three years it, it actually really held me back mentally for um, a, a bunch of different stuff like, yeah. I actually had to really like let go of that and then I ended up I was just sitting in here one day and um, and I was thinking about the fact of not wanting to have an ego is probably like the highest form of <laughs> ego. Yeah. And then I like, I had that rationale and I was like, you know what? Maybe this whole fucking ego talk is just pointless. Like why the fuck do you care? Just do what you do. Exactly. You got, you got to put that out of your head 
you got to do it because otherwise you, you, you'll worry too much. You won't get out of bed in the morning. I mean, I, I try and ignore that sort of stuff, but I'm, I, I put stuff in front of the camera and you'll probably see like I, I pop up a lot in on Facebook and, and YouTube and stuff like that. But like even with my own social media, I post once every three weeks or whatever, yeah. an occasional story. I hate putting myself out there, believe it or not, because I don't feel comfortable. Yeah. I feel like, ah, uh, you know, no one wants to hear what I've got to say. <laughs> shit, man. Like the only reason you see so much is because people tell me you've got to do this, mate. You've got to, you know, he, he, they chuck a camera in front of you and he, you would do a bit of social media stuff and all the rest of it. But, you know, if, if I didn't have like producers and people pushing me in that stuff, you wouldn't hear from me really. Yeah, <laughs> Just, yeah. You know, those guys keep me on track, but, but I, but I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It's sometimes you, you don't want to be that person who's just in front of their phone all day, just giving an update on what you had for breakfast yeah. and all that crap. That's, you know, that's some, some of these guys have got massive egos and they think everyone gives a shit about what they're up to on a constant basis. <laughs> and then the, the weird thing. And I think, um, because we do a lot of trips as well and we've we've taken we film uh we've started doing a little bit more but for us it's more like races and shit like we'll go Mm. away for a race and we'll film the crew and i try and get some cool people together yeah um and 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 do it um but it's just like uh it's almost like i just want to be in the real world like i don't want to be in internet land all the time because this is a real conversation and we're yeah. like we're in the room together and it's a thing but it's like f- after this the next time people will see this forever is just online and it's like i could stay in this room and it's probably for business if i did a podcast every single day and was in this room yep. then i would do way better financially like for the, sure. the trips and everything it sort of makes us go backwards in a sense yeah but there's a part of me that is like you've got to be a real person. Like you have to do shit in the real world because you end up like that internet guy that you described. Yeah, and yeah, you just, yeah. cause the internet is just a fucking weird place to exist and to, to like put yourself on the internet and a personal Instagram, you feel like for an average person that isn't making content for a living. Yeah. You might have an in- Instagram. So you've got a sort of a sense of what it is. Mm-hmm. But once you get up into the 20 million, 30 million, 40 million views on, you know, all different platforms, yeah. there, there's a weird version of you out there. That, that's like, it, be- it becomes like, it is like a weird thing to kind of rationalize, you know? And, and for me, that's why I'm like, doing these trips at least you're out being a real person and you're actually like you described of the not getting a shower and it's fucking hot and there's mozzies and you know like we're in france packed into a a airbnb that i fucked up the booking and there's only one bed of three people and you know like yeah that makes you feel a little bit more connected to like the real world in a sense 100 percent, man yeah no i think that's important yeah i think i think you just you know, you talk about not everything's a business decision. Not some things you just yeah, got to do. Yeah, that's probably a good way of looking at it. It's, it's something you just do it because it's fun, and the more fun you can have with what you do, that's that's winning the game at the end of the day. Like, I um, I want to do like heaps more content as well, and I know it's not going to make us. In fact, it'll cost us money to yeah. some of the content I want to do. It'll go backwards. People might not enjoy it, but fuck it. I love it. And that's what, that keeps me motivated. And yeah. what I'm talking about is nothing crazy. I just mean, I, I want to do a bit more fishing and stuff like that. I would love to, I'd love to take a camera on some of my personal trips because I do a lot of stuff that's not filmed for YouTube and all the rest of it, which is a bit more real. Yeah. And um, just, you know, 
you know, taking a boat up in the top end and fishing out, you know, in a small creek or just doing some crazy things that we, we do for in the sake of fun. Yeah. And um, yeah, it'd be sometimes cool to maybe make some content around that rather than just what people see. And I know we have an enthusiast four-wheel drive audience. They want yeah. to see four-wheel drive and they yeah. don't want to see me pull batter out of a creek or something like that they, they they're pretty strict on what they want to see yeah that that's kind of uh, a weird problem with just the internet in general at the moment um, yeah and uh, it'd be interesting to hear your thoughts i think it's going to go away pretty soon like i i think what, the, the internet or no like <laughs> the i guess i should explain the point first but <laughs> yeah. the, the way that because we're the same in terms of it's just like dirt bikes if we do mm our youtube channel pops off if we've got the biggest guys in motocross like yeah. that's what we do that's what people give a fuck about you can that's put a right. clip up that gets two hundred thousand views i post something else that's non-related it'll get two thousand it doesn't matter how many subscribers you, it's yeah your audience is your audience they want to watch what they want to watch and i feel like for me looking at the way that the internet's kind of gone down in a content form since when we started yeah there was no algorithms there was no you know you could you could get millions of followers on instagram just by being consistent posting good content like you there was help there in a sense and then the google adsense come in the facebook ads come in and it was fully pay to play and then everyone is i don't even know if the average instagram view or social media or youtube like audience that people listen to this understand how gnarly the algorithms are and the way that you get funneled into a box and i i just think that's we're like at the peak of that and i think it's probably that style of shit is going to start going down i think that creators are going to start moving towards their their own platforms a bit more like living within their own uh, ecosystem and then the type of content that you're talking about will be so much easier for you to personally make yeah because you, you're not going to see 10 of 10 at your YouTube analytics, you know? Yeah, I I wish I wish I got onto YouTube probably five years before I did. Yeah. And um, it seemed like the guys that got on board early really made the most of it and got some massive audiences in that time. It's, it's a lot harder probably these days. Way harder. It's, it is. We've noticed it. Um, we're, you know, we're still growing, which is good to see. Um, the good news about our particular niche i suppose you'd say is not heaps of people are doing it yeah um not to the level we're doing it so we, we're getting some great growth but um but yeah it's not like it was probably five seven years ago yeah. people were just putting anything up on youtube it seemed and and getting huge subscribers and views and all that sort of jazz but um but yeah I, I don't know too much about the algorithms um i certainly know like you know going back to what i was saying before if i put a fishing photo off my instagram it gets about a quarter of the likes yeah um i don't really care though <laughs> it's it's me I, I enjoy fishing i'm not gonna apologize but i know i could if i wanted to grow my audience and all that sort of crap i could just really put a heap of more car stuff up and four-wheel drive stuff um but i find myself when i'm working on a four-wheel drive or driving i'm too busy in the moment doing it, yeah. i'm doing it and i i, I just I, I was, here's a classic example I, I was in cape york for three weeks and i think i took maybe two photos yeah and and probably one of those is at least one i can't put on social media uh, yeah, and, yeah. and that was it and because i was just in the moment yep. i'm there doing it and luckily for us we've got people with, around yeah around taking footage and stuff like that but I, i'm just hopeless by myself i just i get too excited too involved in what i'm doing and i just i never ever take photos it's, yeah that's probably the way to be though yeah i suppose it'd be it'd be good to have more than probably one one thing a month go up on instagram or whatever but that's that's just how it is i suppose you probably feel though 
uh, you feel as though you're probably already bombarding people as it is. You yeah, know? it's like, definitely on on the bigger pages like the full twenty four seven one. That like there's a lot of commercial stuff. Obviously, it's it's a business and a lot lot goes on through that page, and it's got a huge following as well, way bigger than my personal following. Which you know because it's active, it's always in front of people. Lot, a good mixture of like editorial stuff as well as commercial, and um, but yeah, yeah. But that's you know there's people who are employed to to. Do make sure stuff, that works yeah. really well and they're yeah. doing a great job of it you know they're always posting which is which is cool did, so did it take you a while to or was it a real slow growth of becoming i guess an internet personality in yeah. a, in a sense was it something that it was like bang you're like holy fuck everyone knows who i am i can't go to a full drive track without seeing something like yeah. or was it real slow to where you kind of got time to adapt to it or it was overnight really it really was because you got to keep your mind that's up. bizarre that it, would be weird to do it. it it is in a way because okay i'm in this magazine we're doing dvd so the second we started like i've been a print journalist for let's call it five six years i'd write shit i'd write thirty thousand words and an issue like i'd write a heap of stuff no one knew who i was yeah, yeah no yeah. one reads this stories from sean whale they, yeah. they just read the story and all the rest of it I went on my first DVD, which was packaged of the magazine. All of a sudden, people knew who I was from the first DVD. And you got to, our, our magazine wasn't huge when you talk about internet numbers, but at the time, we were selling 50,000 copies. So that's um, like every four-wheel driver in Australia. Yeah, at the time, at the time sort of thing. And oh, I thought there's a massive audience, right? And it was. It was the number one men's magazine at one stage. Bigger <sighs> than men's health. That's bigger so than Street sick. Machine. Like, it was crazy. Wow. Yeah, it was insane. Insane. Um, and that's the top of the magazine game, right? And we talk about 50,000 views, say, these days. That's not that it's many. Nothing, yeah. Um, and anyway... <laughs> I'd been on DVDs for now three or four years, and I remember I, I remember the day when we went to YouTube. Within 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 two episodes landing on YouTube, people will recognise me in like Woolies and stuff like that, and I was like, it hit me hard because I was like, I was pretty much undetected unless I was on a track or like driving yeah, driving yeah. Cape York or yeah. I'm out the back of Newcastle and the Wadigans or something. Of course, people who are passionate, they're going to know in your area. Yeah, they're yeah, going to know yeah, who I am, yeah. but not at Woolies. Like that was weird, and I remember. I remember the YouTube, as soon as we crossed the YouTube, that was it. That was it. There was, yeah, people started mainstream knowing what we do and all the rest, which was bizarre. So what was the road to get to YouTube then? It was, well, it was just basically, okay, well, the magazine was going to shut down. I didn't own the magazine. It was owned by a publishing company. Um, He, you know, he's a very clever businessman, this bloke, and um, he basically realised that the future was in retail not in publishing. He had 50-odd magazines, right? He was quite a, yeah, quite a right, big, right, big right. deal in, in the publishing game. And um, and advertising money was getting harder, as well as distribution of uh, print magazines. So they weren't getting on the shelves. You know, a news agent get, gets more money for lottery tickets and lollies yeah. and pens and shit than the magazine. <laughs> the magazine takes up a bit of room, you know? Yeah. Um, anyway, the distribution was getting harder. The, even the fact we were at the top of our game and, and our, our sales were going down, not due to the popularity because we couldn't get it we couldn't sell as many as you know as we wanted to because distribution was getting cut and um he made the decision pretty much i'm going to go into products and i'm going to cut all magazines and so the writing on the wall was even it was there for my job i, I was i knew that i was basically i had an expiry date and yeah. it was it was it, my print life had basically come to an end i could go and work in a retail store i could go and do corporate sort of stuff and i thought fuck that i said <laughs> i there's still a huge 
there's st- yeah uh, you're pumping well there's a huge interest in media it's just you got to be on the right platform and at the time i was like youtube because we never understood how to take something from print magazine to like youtube and make money like um you know magazines are easy you sell print ads you yep. sell there's a whole heap here's of things the words here's the photos correct and you've got a you know a nice little balance of commercial and editorial that go together um, people buy the content so there's an income like, stream right um going to youtube i couldn't see it we couldn't see it for years and we're probably a bit late to a- adopt it to be honest but when we did we we figured it out and um it was the best movie ever made to be honest it um it made those magazine numbers look so insignificant like, which is crazy yeah because you know the impact yeah exactly exactly so and we've been able to do a lot not just obviously for you know getting fans and stuff like that and getting heaps of views but we've helped so many businesses out along the way you know they've been associated with us so we've been able to get a lot of exposure we you know last year we got 51 million views like for the year on youtube which is pretty crazy just for oh, youtube yeah. like that's that's loose and um you never get that in the print game like nah. you know like i said fifty thousand. we're at the top of the game the best men's magazine in the country at the time so there's some crazy numbers and then the internet you know and those numbers are still small compared to some channels oh, you know yeah, what i mean yeah. like hundreds of millions like some of these guys that you know i should get into computer games some of those dudes doing computer game stuff like Dude, uh, do you tap. follow Mr. Beast? Or, I know, I know of Mr. Stuff? Beast, and I've just listened to a podcast recently with him. On oh, it, he's he's the man, dude. Really is. Like, yeah. I, yeah, I guess I've never been that technical about YouTube, and hearing from that dude, like you're like, there's a few cool people, like a few cool creators and stuff. I could like probably put you onto. It's like one of my. It's pretty much just been a lifelong obsession, really, yeah. like since I started working of just that whole world. But yeah. there's some crazy people making some crazy money out of content shit. It, yeah, yeah. Just it's, reaching it's, so many it's, people. It's a whole nother level compared to what we're doing. We, we have, our content is so different to so many things on YouTube. I mean, like we all got like almost feature films yeah. going up on YouTube, you know, and not many people are going to the time and effort production values of that sort of stuff. Um, we do, we love it. And like, and you look at a couple of, we actually spoke to someone from YouTube the other day. It was the first time oh, ever. Cool. And um, we've never, believe it or not, we're, <laughs> our business is based around YouTube. We've never spoken to anyone. But that's like, one of the weird things about being a YouTuber. Yeah. Because you got no access. They're no, like just you, this weird middleman in between you just, like your entire fucking life. Yeah. It doesn't matter if you've got 20 staff, you're uploading videos or you're doing it in your bedroom and you've just uploaded something from your phone you this is the same process right and uh, anyway we're talking to this person at youtube and they they pointed out a couple of things that's like very different with our channel compared to most yeah. content um, um providers so one of the things is we've got uh, i think it's like 68 percent aussie audience yeah which is unheard of most of the bigger channels american american is, yeah. is where it's at they're getting lots of numbers over there uh, we've got about 15% American so that's our like second biggest audience and, and, and something we'll probably try and pursue a bit later but um, it was insane that, that and, and most people um, watch YouTube on their mobile phone right and yeah. I'll, I'll do the same but with, with our channel I think it's like 70% of people watch it on telly on the TV yeah, yeah. which is crazy you know, that's probably because of the production values I yep. suppose but it's cool to see though that's we're creating something that's a little bit different yep. it's not the normal trend on YouTube it's not like cheap thrills or something it's you know, a lot of effort and resources go into making the shows sometimes we do but it's cool it's when you know people making the effort to watch it on telly which is i think pretty cool it must be you know getting their kids involved and watching it together as a family that's yeah. that's happening that's that's pretty cool yeah well i mean that's probably the thing that i found the most interesting about your content after maddie uh, after the can-am shoot that you're on with maddie and yeah. he told me i went and searched your channel the one that i watched that i fucking loved 
was the uh, oh, when you went through what's it called the Abulgari track oh Abulgari track oh, in the Kimberley yeah man that was fucking yeah. brilliant eh that's ah oh, man it's I hard. actually pitched to Ducati I, I sent that video to Ducati yeah because they've got this new desert bike coming out oh yeah and they want me to shoot a, a like a doco kind of thing of like doing a track on that That's, Ducati and I was like there I want to go there there's send nothing, them that there's nothing send better. the Italians that fucking video yeah there's nothing better That that is a you know, it looked like a proper trip. It is, man. It is. It was so sick. Everything that happened on that trip was just so good. Like, well, early season. Um, it, even our guide, Ronnie, um, his country all up through there, and he had some car issues, had to go home and sort of left us to our own devices <laughs> up there. It's like, for those, I guess, that are listening, at, trying to understand what the hell is the Umbugari track, it's up in, the, um, up in the Kimberley, right? And it's about 550, 600 Ks of low range. There's no track <laughs> like it. You speak to people overseas and like that's that's several countries sometimes overseas, right? Going that far. Yeah. And and this is one low range track where, you know, different on a bike, but in a car, I remember like day four or five, I hit thirty Ks an hour and that was my top speed after four days. It's that slow, that rocky, yeah. that gnarly. And um we literally did not know if we're gonna make it through. And I think that was half the excitement. That come across in the in the, the film. Yeah, it was just like we just go proper feral like when we were doing a trip like that. Like, you know, we had the the sickest crew. Like yeah. everyone who came on that trip, I, I don't think I could have done that trip without the crew that were on that particular one because like the times were tough um and like some days would make 500 meters for a whole day of driving and you think like fuck like that you know that, that can get it's you down slog. yeah and it's hard going and then something breaks or you do a tire or something like that and you're like and then we started getting to the point where we're running out of tires real quick too and we're like fuck we might be stranded here yeah. like yeah. Prop- yeah. properly like yeah. but we we it was just a wicked adventure man it was just one of those things like you, you look back and think that's like yeah you know, it's not even once in a lifetime i've done it a couple of times now but nothing like that with those conditions being yeah, the first yeah, to go yeah. through it's we, just a crazy window oh it's just epic man there's just so much happened on that was trip. that where you got your first barra to first meter barra first meter barra, and then yeah. I, I backed it up with a second oh, i saw one, one just barra. the other day yeah yeah, yeah. I, man i yeah I'm, I'm pretty passionate about the fishing side of things and all the rest of it. So, so to just stand on a creek like that and pull a meter fish out of something like that with a fucking head, headlamp on yeah. is like a wild experience. It was crazy. It was <laughs> crazy. I'm surprised people from back home didn't hear me yell. Like, I was, like, I've been dreaming of catching a fish like that since I was like five years old. No, no shit. Yeah. And, um, like, to give you an idea, I'm about to pull my wallet out. <laughs> I keep the scale I'll I'll release that fish right to live another day I've dead set got the scale of that fish (laughs) I fucking love it in my wallet that is unreal like that's how much that means to me that 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 particular fish right and um and then that's so good yeah and I backed it up with another meter fish um which is like in in barra fish and a meter fish is like the the holy grail yeah Yeah, man and then so this is the shows, I suppose, what sort of a nut myself and Graham are like. We did that trip and we were, shit, we were off grid for, let's call it 20 days or something. So like, that was a big one. It was a, it was a big one. It was a big one. I think we filmed three episodes doing that. And then, right, so we get back to Kununurra and, um, you know, we've been away for a long time from home, from our families, from life. And um, we hatched this plan, Graham and I. Like, the fishing was so good that we thought, fuck going home. We, we got to Kununurra <laughs> we went to the helicopter joint and said, do you reckon you could drop us off on these rocks? It's about 200 Ks in a straight line. Can you drop us off there for three days? 
and we had no hiking gear, right? So we literally just got back into Kununurra. Um, we went to the local like BCF equivalent and bought an air mattress each. I love this. And <laughs> we put whatever we could in a, like a weird bag, bought some food and just went and fished hard for three days straight after doing that trip. Like, that's how obsessed we are. We, that's so sick. And it was it was epic like we caught some really good fish and it's had just a mad time we, we brought with us a bottle of rum that we kept beside our air beds and um so we had a bottle of rum each we had four beers between <laughs> us and we went up to this because we were the salt meets the fresh and we went up into the fresh water and put these beers i was a bit apprehensive about this right it was graham's idea we put the beers into the fresh water and um to cool them down a little bit it was like 35 degrees every day and the, the water's about 29 degrees so yeah, it's so not really drop a couple <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. we put them in the water and then at night time we'd finish fishing like into the dark, we'd go back to our camp, put our rods down, walk up to the creek, look out for crocs, try and like, make our way through the water, pick up a beer each, <laughs> go back and sit on our air mattress and just drink this warm beer. And I tell you what, one of the best, best beer you've ever had in your life. Without a fucking doubt. It was <laughs> absolutely amazing. And then, um, yeah, we cooked every, obviously every meal was fish. We'd just eat in barra. Yeah. And um, we'd catch barra and um, put them in a rock pool. Yeah. And so, because... <laughs> This is doesn't doesn't happen very bloody often, but really, so you made like a pool. Yeah, there was just a there was just a rock there was just a rock pool of salt water in the rocks, and um, so we'd catch any barrel because it was actually that's proper. It was hard to catch an eating size barrel; they were were so big, and we like to release the big girls. And um, we when we get a a decent eating size one, we'd chuck it in this rock pool, and kind of the end of the day, you just go back and get your dinner and grab the fish out cut it up on a rock and That's put it in the goals. Barry. It really was. <laughs> like, it really was. Highlight, one of the highlights of my life, really, that that trip, just doing things like that. Like, you know, it was just, oh, fuck, we just did it. We just thought, because we, we were saying, man, we've got to come it's back. We've got to come there, back. You know, like, well, it is. We're, we're there and we yeah. thought, fuck, we've got to do this one day. And it was almost, <laughs> no shit. Like, Graham and I just were waiting for the camera crew to set up and stuff. And we both sort of almost got out of our cars at the same time with the same idea. Like, fuck let's do it now let's just do it now we'll never get another chance we'll talk about it for another two years let's just yeah. let's just make it happen and we did and i'll tell you what trip for a lifetime that's so sick yeah it was it was super cool we want to do we graham and i are both like this there's there's heap of things we don't really film but we, we we're very passionate about adventures so we we always come up with these harebrained schemes to like do something cool yeah yeah you know, once a year try and do a, do something cool like together and um yeah we, we're talking about catching black bass and png is the next next oh, thing we're gonna do so <laughs> like, sick. yeah i think it's just one of those things too you gotta uh, slowly just build that audience on on the channel that are there for you know the the fishing you know the more fishing side of things and yeah i mean it's probably a case of if i'm just thinking out aloud like maybe the more personal videos that you put out that's more you know like you focused as weird you know obviously as weird as that would feel after the previous conversation but i mean i think you get to a point where people just do you know there'd be people that look up to you there's people that do want to hear the way that you think about life and the way that you think about you know like you said following your passions and doing things for the right reason i mean maybe mm. that's the way you know you give people a little bit more of a look into like you personally and then they're like by the way i fucking love fishing so yeah yeah and look i I'd, I'd like to do it just to take people on the adventure because yeah. sometimes you do adventures that are so sick that you feel like it'd be cool to show people what we got up to because explaining it's one thing but actually 
you know, taking a camera there and showing people yeah. what we actually did, like walking in that creek at night, getting the beers out and sitting back, cheers and going, this is the best fucking beer we've ever had. It's yeah, this warm yeah. emu export that's <laughs> been sitting in a creek all day, you know? So there's little things like that. And I, look, I, one day I think I'll, I'll, I'll do some more of that sort of stuff. But at the moment, we're just so busy with everything. Yeah, and and I just, some of the things I do for fun, I, I don't take cameras just to yeah. just keep it fun, you know, just keep it just keep it exciting and fun and don't need to show the world what I get up to yeah. sometimes. Like, Yeah. And, and I think one of the other th- cool things like about showing the trips and filming them the way that you guys do as well is that sometimes I think it feels a little bit like almost selfish just to, to not show people what you're doing when you know that yeah. people will love with, it and with froth, yeah. it will inspire people to go do their own shit. And, you know, yeah. I think for us, like, me and my mate Sammy like we go do these races and we're fucking not that good yeah and I think for a lot of people it's like here's these two average dudes that don't ride that much yeah you know they don't ride that much themselves either and then we go and struggle like we just flew to Perth to race in WA it's like the roughest track in Australia I fucking sucked I pulled off the last (laughs) moto and did a burnout and scolded JD from the crowd because you know and it's like all right, I can do this you can do this and I think it really does kind of affect people and actually getting them to go out and have these adventures for themselves without a doubt and you know see I would rather watch that than you know someone at the top of their game doing it yeah. because because I could relate to that yeah and and you know it's really relatable it's real and you know I think some people take themselves a little bit too serious when they're, they're producing content um, we just got back from a trip from the US right and heaps people one of the things that a lot of people in the US said there's nothing like our channel over there where we take the piss out of each other yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we don't pretend to be like the experts like we're, we're just for the sheer fact of being doing a long time we're half decent at it but yeah. but we show the mistakes the good the bad the ugly and you know i've made a dick of myself so many times not funny but it's real and um in america like they don't tend to do that they yeah they they don't have as much fun with their content they're like okay we're going to show you how to winch up this hill this is what you do and if you don't do it you're a bloody idiot yeah and that's yeah. not fun to watch <laughs> like, yeah that's yeah. not fun that's where i guess like aussies can make content that is you know a little bit self-deprecating in a way. Yeah, having yep. a bit of a go at yourself. You're having fun with it. It's mateship. There's a lot going on where the rest of the world, they when they think when they're making content, you got to be ultra serious and yeah, you know. And I don't think that resonates on YouTube as well. Are you so the US? It's we're I think 68% US. Oh wow! So where yeah. the, the majority of our YouTube channel is US. Yeah. Um. So have you guys got plans to do more US stuff? Because the market's yeah. fucking huge there. It, it is. Look, at the end of the day, we're going to be an Aussie full drive show, and we're not going to forget. Like you know, oh shit! So we can make it big in the US. That's not what it's about. But we've got such a growing audience over there, and just in the in the. I guess the whole idea of keeping it exciting for us and, and mm. experiencing new things like next year, I went this year just to a, like an overland festival, which is like a big four wheel drive show camping show. And um, next year I'm actually going to, I'm going to try and I've been building this vehicle for like five years. I'm going to, take it overseas to the US Sick. and um, go and drive a bunch of their like iconic tracks and yeah. and film, you know, a couple of shows so over there. What are considered their iconic tracks? So from the, some of the dudes I've been talking to, and I guess I've been I've been reading like some US magazines my whole life. So I've been like Moab is like huge. Yeah, yeah. Um, for, Have you ever for, been over there? Not to Moab, no. And, I, and I went to my first US trip just the other day, so yeah, right. I'm pretty green with it all. Um, yeah, everyone, Moab's crazy. It's mental. I've seen some of the footage. Like yeah. it's proper. Some of the from proper tracks. Like, yeah, like through the canyons yeah. and stuff like that. I, I, to be honest, I. 
I think it's going to scare the shit out of me. Like some of the the big like V rocks and like you get it like going over the tops of these crests, these rocks. If you get it wrong, you're dead, sort of thing. Like show go on, uh, just go on like um, I don't know Google Images or something, and just type in like Moab, Moab, yeah, four by four or Overland or whatever. It'd be cool to get a visual. Yeah, you'll you'll yeah wait just till you see this man. A, yeah, 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 this is loose. Like it's. You, you, you wait till you see some of the dudes like look at that see that wow. that one that one there with the this, big this one yeah that big knob thing people drive up like that fuck yeah just did imagine, an FJ imagine getting that wrong yeah wow that's pretty gnarly there like, everything's pretty gnarly there and I I can't wait to drive just just to take an Aussie built car so what what are you going to take over there um the dirty 30 which is a it's a 60 series body it's yeah. being cut into a ute that's yep. on an 80 series chassis with a 79 series motor 100 series box it's got every land cruiser built into one frankenstein car that's so sick it's a cool it's a cool car and how yeah. long have you been building that for ah uh, best part of four years really yeah, yeah it's a big job yeah it's it, it got out of control and um i i had a 60 series that's how i started yeah. filming stuff i had the four it, speed Oh, yeah, it was a four-speed auto, actually. Okay. Four-speed, no, three-speed auto, um, 12 HT, 60 series. It's the best car I could afford back in the day. They were a and sick car. Super sick. And they, they they weren't as good. Like, now they're worth a fortune. Dude, my, my dad, we grew up, um, we had a four-speed manual uh, 60 series thing uh-huh. was white clean as yeah. fuck and dad had to sell it when we were a kid he cried when he sold it, it my look, goal in life is to buy my dad one back that's sick <laughs> because that's that, sick. I fucking love that car dude they are epic that was still one of still my favourite looking four wheel drive they're of all unreal time. Eh? It's, it's super cool can you pull one up Rones Land Cruiser 60 series oh here we go fucking amazing we pulling porn up if you ask me this. <laughs> <laughs> look at that yeah, what a beast! A, it's a fucking animal. What a fucking beast! Beautiful car, eh? Yeah, they are. They are. I'd like to get another stock one, but that's so. I used to have a Suzuki Sierra, then I bought a sixty series, and um, I got it for nine grand. So I sold my Zook <laughs> for like five grand, and um, different times. Oh man, I had to times. I had to pull together every cent I could muster, and and bought a sixty series, and um, and then I, I ended up putting like three hundred, four hundred thousand k's of adventures on that car. Wow! I drove into the ground essentially. It was it was completely fucked. It, I had to take it off the road just for safety reasons. It was done. Really? Yeah. You fully ruined. The oh, the chassis, cruiser. the body, like this, the metal fatigue was just insane. It just yeah, everything was fucked. <laughs> so yeah, it's I've I've done the same to an eighty series since then, mind you. I just drive the wheels off them and um you know i don't regret a second of it because the adventures i've had are pretty yeah, loose like yeah. i've had some really good times in that in those vehicles but um yeah but i got basically mine looks a lot like that maybe google um dirty 30 it might come up on google i've never done this before but not with my search history yeah <laughs> oh, just be careful yeah <laughs> Everyone's always like, is this oh, your personal is. laptop that you fucking do all the search? I'm like, it's working. Yeah. <laughs> that thing is yeah, a, a rig. It's a beast. It's taken a few different incarnations over the years. but um. So how many Ks have you oh, put That's the original one on the bottom right there. This one? Yeah. That that's that's the one. It, it was a wagon then I because it had rust and I, I stuffed a heap of panels. I had to cut it in half. And then um, I used to drive that leaf sprung thing around. And that's why I built this one, because it was basically a bit of a tribute to the original. Yeah. But yeah, I've done... I've done oh, I don't even know. I don't even know. I think because... So, yeah, I think a lot of four-wheel drivers are all late. 
a couple of my cars that have done heaps of Ks, the Speedo might have stopped for two years. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So you don't really know how many Ks it got on them, but they've all got sort of like over half a million clicks on them. Yeah. Fuck. And so, yeah. It's a lot of driving. It is, man. We, we put a few Ks on, that's for sure. It's, um, yeah, and just some hard Ks too. Eh? You get to find the limitations of these cars, not just driving hard tracks, but just thousands and thousands of Ks of corrugations that literally <sighs> shake the shit out of a car. Yeah. And um, you'll find any weakness on them pretty quick. Those. Has there been a big difference these days? Like the the cars nowadays seem like super super capable. I just yeah. got a D Max the the other day. Yeah. Um, so I think we're gonna do um, one of our sponsors is CTO uh, down in Melbourne. So yeah. they're gonna do like a bit of wheel and suspension and oh, tires, cool. and then Danny from ARB is gonna help us out with a few things for it. Oh, so it'll be like the first time I've ever built like a bit of a four-wheel drive yeah, like kind of deal. But they just seem so capable these they, days. They are. They are. But I, you're just getting back into an old car, like an old 47 series. Like I just did Cape York with split rims and no lockers, no lift, no nothing. And it surprised the shit out of me how capable that bit rig was because it was, it was so light as well. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. With the traction aids and stuff, they're, they're coming factory with lockers and stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're pretty capable. They're pretty capable straight out of the box these days. They're probably, you know, and um, I think all modern cars are just probably a little bit softer these yep. days, a bit more plastic in them. They, yep. they make them a bit softer because because they, they're making them to comply on the road a bit better uh, compared to some of your old rigs, which might be a bit tougher. Like the amount of metal in something like an old 60 series. It's all like, fucking metal, yeah, basically. Yeah, was it, you know, it's un-aerodynamic vehicle yeah. ever made <laughs> yeah just a, a base a, a proper tank but you know and that that does tend to make them last a bit longer like i'd hate to see me like me put four hundred thousand hard k's on a new 200 series or something i reckon yeah the dash yeah. would fall out of the thing in, <laughs> yeah, in, yeah. in like two years time like i you know i've got i've got a 200 series and um it's it's they're very capable but they're just not built the same yeah it's just a totally different it'll probably outwheel the piss out of like the old farm truck just yeah. in standard form if you could be brave enough to take it on the same tracks but but yeah man i think i think the the new cars are just not built like they were back in the 80s that was like a golden era right? yeah the 70s 80s yeah. 90s was just the golden era for four-wheel drives I mean, oh that yeah that's pretty cool show my age maybe a bit nostalgic i suppose but nostalgia is a hell of a drug yeah, it really is <laughs> it really is no nah, it's cool uh so this thing if you well mm -hmm. when you take this thing to america they will yeah. freak out on that man like yeah. even when i lived over there and you'd show people uh photos of like a uh commodore ute they'd be like wow it's like el camino yeah bro. yeah yeah i've been looking at a lot of commodore utes lately so uh, yeah, but yeah i reckon they'll froth one of the biggest things is they don't get diesel vehicles mm. in the u.s really because yep. of emissions and all yep. that other shit but but you know they're all running petrol gas or whatever um yeah all my cars are diesel and they just they just froth on the fact that it's a diesel it's just unique like they get 60s over there but not in a diesel format and no one's stupid enough to spend the time and money like i have on one of these and cut them into a ute and you know it's got a four link rear suspension on it now and um on an 80 series chassis we've even put 200 series body mounts holding the cab up because they're, they're staunch and they're, they're gonna hold you know better body mounts but it's um it's very unique there's not another one in the world so yeah they'll they'll probably froth when I mean, it's up against all those jeeps and crazy yeah, other yeah. american trucks it'll be, <laughs> it'll be different so you got moab where else have you got in the u.s that's like their key sort of trails because man yeah it's a fucking beautiful country it like is, to I, go the scenery is, oh, is all wild. the way across like um i've driven 
I've driven California to Atlanta oh, wow. uh, twice. Oh, um, and then I've done, like, I've driven California to Colorado, which you go all through Utah and through, mm-hmm. like, Zion and all those places and gone through Moab and gone through Yosemite oh, and gone all up through San Francisco and that all through, like, the Redwoods. It is a crazy fucking country. And then, like, it, dude, Montana. Yeah. It's just, it is mind-blowing. Yeah, fuck. There is, I was blown away, even I was only there for like 10 days, right? But I was blown away. I was in Arizona and... Um, oh, another amazing, it, cool it was, place. It was crazy. Like it was, it felt like I was in Mexico for part of it. And pretty much up, were. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> I suppose. And then, um, and then um, well, I saw the Grand Canyon stuff. That's loose. It's, yeah. it's wild. But I think um, we're going to go to Colorado. That's epic, dude. Everyone says the scenery. I, I've, I, I can't really relate other than the high country here in, in Australia, but... Colorado is on the hit list as well as um, Rubicon Trail, which is yeah, okay. in California. Yep, that's yep. a apparently has a bit of a big boy track. It's got type that in Rubicon yeah. Trail. I yeah, I don't know much about the Rubicon Trail. All I know that like a, Rubicon's like a tough sort of jeep, and I guess it's it's been named. That's right. That it yeah. is the Rubicon. There's the yeah. jeep. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it with all the big rocks. That's that sort of looks. I wonder whereabouts that. Somewhere in California. Oh, it's Tahoe. Yeah. I was going to say, that kind of looks like Tahoe. Yeah. That's super cool. Look at that. Imagine driving. See, this is cool. I'd love to give this a crack. Just something different. Yeah, that's epic, man. There's a... um, So, go go up to the top and see where the maps is. Just be interesting to see. I probably need to fit some bigger tires just looking at some of those rigs. eh? Yeah, so that is is Tahoe, yeah. We... um, my old uh business partner in the states we used to shoot so we'd do all these big red bull projects so we'd be on location for like two or three weeks yeah and then we'd do the shoot and then he had a house in lake tahoe yeah in south lake and uh so then we used to do these shoots we'd be fucking out in the middle of nowhere for weeks on end and then we'd take all of the footage back to the house in lake tahoe and if it was winter we'd snowboard all day and then edit all night and if it was summer we'd uh mountain bike all day edit all night it's such a sick place man yeah i can't wait i can't wait just to do something different like it'd be yeah a bit of an eye-opener as well and all these rigs they, they take them to the next level in the u.s like their laws about driving these things on the road what laws exactly it's so <laughs> sick like yeah. they're so such a nanny state over here it in, is when it bad. comes to vehicle modifications like you can go and spend you know 10 grand on your suspension do a swerve test make this thing handle like a bloody race car on 35 inch tires but it doesn't really matter even if you get it engineered in queensland right and a, and a proper engineer signs off and it says that thing should be on the road you've done all the right things for bigger brakes on it suspension's dialed in then it's up to the discretion of your queensland transport where they go you know what i don't really agree eh? and some dude with a clipboard can just go you're defective man well that's what it that's what it is here in Queensland. It's 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 unbelievable, unbelievable. And then yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. But over there, they can have they can do whatever they want. It's literally not, yeah, literally you whatever can do they whatever want. you want. Except they don't really like diesels for emissions. But 
I think you just got to get like a smog test though. Yeah. That's all that, that's all that. Um, Which the older diesels probably wouldn't pass, but. Yeah, okay. But, but. There'd be a way around it. There would be. People do Honestly, run Honestly, if, if a cop pulled you over there, they would just be fucking pumped. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, they yeah. Actually, I just, doubt they'd care. That is froth, eh? Like, like, it seems a bit more relaxed over there with their, with their laws and stuff like that, so. Yeah, yeah, I mean, which like kind of, it works for them in this sense and probably works against them. In other in, ways. Like, uh, in yeah. like other senses. Yeah. But man, they, people will lose it and if you go yeah. over there and, and do that content i could see it. It, it i think it'd kill it just even for the aussie market too really yeah. for like your audience now to just see fresh trails and a different perspective and you know like kind yeah. of broaden the horizons a bit and that's the thing i mean like i'm sure I've, uh, when i was over there like probably about you know 10 different people offered me their rig to take on an adventure yeah and you know i could definitely drive a jeep or you know something cool like a ram or something something wild yeah, yeah. over there but i thought nah you've got to take an aussie 100%. truck over it's going to be 100 percent, 10 times more paperwork a, a real headache you got to ship the car over it's going to cost a shitload but how cool would it be like you 100%. take take an aussie car over that yeah people have seen it do aussie tracks like can it do these big american tracks i don't know and um and and try and do it in aussie style because i look i don't know i could be talking absolute shit but i get the impression that a lot of guys who drive these sort of hard trails over in the u.s um trailer their car or, to and to from, and from yeah. um or they they're or not they, really living out of them. no or they they go and drive the track and then they come back to a cabin for the night or yep. which, which is cool don't get me wrong but you know we do it so different like we'll just roll a swag out in the ground beside our car and that's us for two weeks so. Dude, even swags over there i used to explain swags to people yeah well, and uh, i actually wanted to send one over to myself but i just never ended up yeah. doing it while i was there but even people just fucking freak out just, just on a swag just, just that's pretty wild i, I suppose Colorado, in bear country worried about bears. yeah, yeah. just thinking it's about real. that then. yeah that's a bit wild eh? yeah i'm not sure about that like we got nothing in aussie that wants to eat you except for crocodiles and things like that but yeah you're pretty safe in a swag you've got legit bear uh bear boxes they call them over there. So you go camping and uh, like the sequoias, type in the sequoia or what is it? what's it called? Old Sherman. Maybe Old Sherman tree, I think. And it's like in the sequoias. Yeah, there you go. Or to escape bear attack. So yeah, look at this. Oh, thing. Go to the images of this. So this is beautiful. This is in the sequoia. This is the biggest tree in the world. And uh, yeah, General Jeez. Sherman, that's what it's called. But there is so many fucking bears. <laughs> like, you is it really? Yeah. Yeah. So we we used to go and camp here all the time. It's like only it was only a few hours from my place in California. Um, so we used to go. It was pretty awesome camping and hiking and stuff like that. And um, so you, it's all national parks. So you, you pay for your camp and they got like a little kind of general store and stuff. It's not like real camping like here, yeah. but you, you have to be in a vicinity of this bear box which is where you put all of your food and it's like alcatraz for all of your food you can't keep food in your car you can't keep food in your tent bro like it's actually no joke so you've got to yeah you've got to just fuck everything off into this bear box lock it up at night otherwise bears are just going to come through and rip your shit apart like if they can smell food inside your tent they're going to try and rip your tent open wow it's like it's actually that gnarly and they're one of the trips that we went we walked from our campsite to this tree to get the photos and do all that shit and uh i've probably seen 15 bears really yeah also yeah okay you're not like 
you're pretty likely to see one. A hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. You, you'd yeah. almost say it's a hundred percent. And luckily in these national parks that they are used to seeing people and shit. Yeah. But yeah, there's like mum with cubs running around and big boys just cruising around by themselves. It was mostly black bears there. Yeah. So that's like the freshwater croc of bears. Okay. Okay. Not so it's not gnarly, like big grizzlies and shit, still, but they're still, still around, you know? Yeah. Still t- like makes a dingo seem pretty piss weak. Okay. Eh? Like, yeah. And like, it's funny because, you know, you grow up with crocs and I know what to do around crocs. Yeah. There's no, I don't feel scared of crocs because I know exactly what to do. Yeah. Bears, I was looking at this thing first time I seen it, I'm like, I don't really know what the move is here, eh? Yeah. (laughs) I've got zero knowledge. Ditto, man, ditto. Might be uh, swapping the old swag for rooftop tent, maybe, and (laughs) sleeping up up, upstairs, I think. Nah, good swag, mate. They won't get through the canvas, surely. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Or the person that you're camping with, like, put honey or, or or sausages or something like that. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So if a bear does come. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's not no joke, man. And I have seen a mountain lion in Colorado. Oh true. Yeah, yeah. I was yeah, going loose. I was going up um I was filming actually and I went up above this track to do a time lapse and then I just fucking saw a big old cat and like walked around the front of my camera like in my tripod just like sat there for a bit and it just stared at me for a while and then walked off and then I fucking got my camera and walked backwards down the hill. I was like, fuck all this. I don't know what's going on here. That's, I think that's, that's like a lot of people from overseas think like Australia is the most deadly country ever. Like they do. And like we got spiders and snakes and all these other things that'll, yeah, they'll kill you, but they're not actively trying to hunt you out. hundred percent. Like a bear. Like that's, that is loose. Like (laughs) having like bears trying to attack you when you're in your swag or whatever. That's yeah. Yeah, that's a bit full on. And you look at a mountain lion and you're just like, Yeah. I can't fuck with you. Nah, I've always, I've always said, the boys will know this, I've always maintained that in a street fight, I'd win against a dingo. If there was one (laughs) dingo, not a pack of them, I'm not that that staunch, but one dingo, I reckon, it'd be a scrappy fight, but I reckon I'd probably get away on top. But (laughs) I couldn't say the same between like a bear or a mountain lion, anything gnarly like that. You want to win that fight by 100 metres. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, definitely go with people that are slower than you. Just <laughs> at all times. That's a good strategy. Yeah, yeah. I always think about that when I'm surfing. Yeah. I'm always like the dude that's like not the furthest out. Yeah. You just stay cool. what, just one in. Like as long as I'm just off the ruck just, a little. Yeah, don't want to be on the edges, do you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they'll pick you off. Yeah. Have you, uh, have you got any dates in mind for when you're going to go over there? Yeah, probably. They've got this like big overland festival over there which is like their big four-wheel drive show of the year so i'm thinking i might start off at that overland festival in may next year where's that at um flagstaff in arizona yeah. and start there and then you could go to colorado pretty easy from there colorado from there. moab's close yeah, yeah. It's, it's pretty central so we'll start there and then probably do a bit of exploring yeah and um yeah get some crew over there to join us on a trip and uh, yeah. And so you're going to go through like the visa process and all that? Yeah. You have to go through that? I'll have to do it. I haven't started on the process, mind you. I better pull me Get up. into yeah. it, yeah. because I think just with taking the vehicle over, it's probably a three-month ordeal. Who knows? Yeah, just, probably, there's probably some like carnet stuff. That, have you ever had to do any carnet forms and shit? No. Nah. Yeah, whenever you travel into overseas with... Um, like equipment and stuff because it's so expensive if you sold it there you could like, oh, get right. away without the tax yep. so you you like itemize your um, what you're taking and then you do a form called a carne so like whatever visa people you get just say like oh we'll have to do a yeah do a that's something I definitely need to look into but everyone's saying 
it's it can be done so yeah 100% yeah, yeah. so as long as you yeah like you said you don't sell your car over there you got to yeah. take it home and trust me I don't want to sell it I want to, <laughs> yeah, I want to bring yeah, it back yeah, as fast yeah. as I can but um you'd drive it if you could yeah hundred yeah that'd be a cool drive <laughs> but um yeah man I, I, I can't wait to do something like that a bit different I mean you know, I still froth on obviously the Australian stuff probably more, but just uh, broaden yeah, horizons yeah. a little bit and see like some of that stuff we just saw then. Like that's that's wild. I don't even know if my car can do that. I might have to try and put some bigger tires on it and Americanize it. Yeah, probably. That's just, what you, that's the, should be the first bit of content yeah. is to just get over there, take it out ears, and be like, look, we got beef this fucker. Yeah, up. just get some thirty sevens or thirty eights on it and, and just wheel a piss out of it. That'd be cool. That'd be cool. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm all for it. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. Um, and do you, like, you'd take your own crew over yeah. there? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely would, just because we've been working together forever. And yeah, they just they, know These guys to... just, yeah, they're just, yeah, they're the ones that make us look good. So we'd take probably at least our, our producer over and stuff like that and and um, probably cameraman as well. Probably, we'll probably have a pretty tight, yeah. tight crew on that one. Just because of the expense, will be I can imagine monumental. You gotta have the, you gotta have dudes that are down to sleep on the floor. Yeah, yeah, in bear country. I won't <laughs> tell them that bit though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we'll leave this bit out. Yeah, yeah. No, it'll be out of any adventure, just to, just to have a crack, eh, and see what it's like. Yeah. And um, yeah, and hopefully, hopefully we can drive some of those iconic tracks because they look pretty gnarly. I'm actually scared of heights, so that one in Moab just scared the shit out of me. We looked at that gnarly. I don't know if I'd do it, eh. It's I guess if you're there, you might have to, but fuck. yeah, it's just it's a little bit committing when you you you're so high, like maybe thousands of feet above sea level, and you've got cliff edges on each side, and you're, you're giving it a red eyed punt just to get up over a In rock. A Frankenstein car. Yeah, yeah. I definitely wouldn't want to go first. I don't think that yeah. might be a bit gnarly. Yeah, nah. you got to give it a crack. You, you got to give it a crack. So you were saying before that the that US scene is kind of like a little bit maybe behind the Aussie scene in like the four drive touring kind of thing. Do yeah, you, that's what. What are you like crystal ball looking into it? Do you think yeah. that's probably the next place it's going to explode with that stuff? Without a doubt, really. I, I, I like America is so far ahead in a lot of things we do here in Australia. Like in the race scene, like building these four wheel drives that you know have massive tires and stuff like there. They're light years ahead. They've been building like race buggies and like stuff. Baja stuff. Yeah, Baja, yeah, yeah. King of Hammers, all that sort of gnarly race stuff. Um, they've, you know, they've been doing it for years and they're well ahead. In terms of camping and touring, not like the stuff we call touring, they call it overlanding. And that's sort of like a new phenomenon over there. Like these yeah. dudes are like just getting into it. And like anything, if it picks up over there, it's going to be huge. It's going to be huge. So, yeah, definitely the way it's going. And the cool thing is, we've had. You know, I've had 20 years experience doing this sort of stuff and um, these guys are just getting into it now. So um, that's exciting. That's exciting to see if there is an appetite for, you know, an American audience and what we do. And, and in what ways is the Aussie market ahead in that? In, in nearly everything. I mean, I, I think like Aussies grew up camping, sleeping mm. in a swag and canvas on the ground. Like they just don't tend to do it without having like an RV or a cabin to go to at the end of the day. We, you know, like most of my childhood memories of when we went on holidays was in an old tent that took about four hours to set up with a million poles and of course huge fights and all the rest of it. And then, you know, you you can't bear that for a couple of weeks and in the outdoors and all that, um, camping out of your vehicle. Um, we have fridges in our cars now. We've got 12 volt systems. Um, 
you know, and we, we live out of our cars. Um, they don't tend to do that as much over there, I, I get the impression. Um, it's sort of a new novelty, and they're, they're doing it without a doubt now. But um, we've been doing it for, like I said, since we were kids, right? And um, and Aussies are, I don't know, maybe a little bit more adventurous in, in some of those. A bit more rugged. And yeah, like, yeah. They're, they're happy to sleep on the ground and not have an air con to go back into every night. Like, you just, they just do it. So we have a lot of experience in that space, but also in the aftermarket gear space. Because, yeah, yeah, because but, you've developed so much more. Well, we have, and, and our roads are shithouse. We've got, <laughs> we have more dirt roads that are corrugated than yeah. probably... Yeah. Fuck most countries out there. So so we just break our shit all the time. So we need we got an aftermarket industry that has supported building these cars better and we make some of the best gear in the world and i was surprised by that when i went to the u.s but in this like expo they got these massive big made in australia signs and stuff like for like a, that's the thing yeah man yeah, if, if yeah. you've got a product that's made in australia you know it's tough as because yeah. well, if it, patriots over there now, patriot yeah, they're yeah. doing huge stuff over there yeah. uh, max tracks um are doing huge stuff yeah, um there's right. a heap of companies red arc who do all the 12 volt yeah, stuff yeah, yeah. they're all in the states and um yeah, it's going to be big for a lot of Australian companies who get get into the states, it's for sure. Yeah, because that that's what it seems like is that there's been this emerging market in Australia for so long. And, yeah, you know, like I'm friends with Danny Brown from ARB, yep. and it's like that's a crazy family business. Like and one of the that's like one of the mainstay Australian family businesses. Forget about the the brand as such, but. Yeah. The, in terms of like the runnings of that company like it's an iconic Australian sure is. brand you know and there's just so much skin in the game like and years and thousands of K's and thousands of shocks fucked and thousands of you know like uh, miles of canvas you know it's it's amazing those and that that's a really cool story the ARB story and the fact that the Americans love that brand really like, so it's huge big over there. it's huge over there it's massive and um like I got a, a mate Tim um based down in Newcastle builds a tray and canopy yep. right Mitts Alloy um he's big over there now he's starting to sell heaps of trays and canopies because they just want Aussie products because that's if wild. they if they can handle the shit that we put them through yeah. on a day to day basis they know it's going to survive over there. So it's cool to see. It's just really cool. It makes you pretty proud and yeah. as an Aussie to see that our industry is like building some of the best shit in the world. Yeah. Full yeah. Stop. Well, and it must be exciting on your end too, as one of the leaders in that, in that world, if there is this market that's kind of now opening up for, for this in the U S yeah, that's, that's exciting. Cause you, you, I guess, when you live in Australia and, and all the rest of it, you think, oh, the US will be bigger and better at everything. There's, there's what, 400 True, million huh? people over yeah. there. And it's it's kind of like humbling to think that us as little Aussies can be, you know, showing these guys how to do this, which is which is wild. And look, mark my words, in five years' time, they'll probably overtake us like they do yeah, with most they'll things. Do it quick. Yeah, and they'll, they'll be the best in the world at it. But, but like you said about the YouTube channels, you know, like if you kind of get that initial foothold in in a space then you're always going to kind of have um i guess first to market wins yeah. in a lot of ways you know yeah yeah exactly right so so yeah it's an exciting time in the aussie off-road industry anyway because america's you know an emerging market and um it's, it's booming here in australia like it's it's i've never seen the in i've been in it for yeah. shit, like nearly 20 years and 
the way I see the the Aussie four wheel drive market right now, it is booming, especially since COVID, right? Yeah, I was gonna say, how did COVID change it? Oh, massively, massively. All these dudes that usually do a European holiday with their family couldn't do that, so they go, you know what? Fuck it, we'll buy a caravan, put a roof rack on the Navara. Yeah, we'll d- <laughs> yeah, yeah, off we go. We'll go get this car built up so it can yeah. it can do it properly. And um, as a result, like shit, our industry's boomed over the last couple of years. And, and is it something you can feel and see? Because yeah. it's numbers on a screen or numbers on a view is one thing, but when you're actually out in the real world and you can really see it. Yeah, I, I, I see it just even from like our audience perspective. There's a lot of new dudes getting into it. Um, you know, you know, bought their first four-wheel drive, taking their kids camping for the first time. I'm seeing it uh, left, right, and center, man. And um, it's really cool to see because it's actually like I, th- I see it as a really positive like hobby, yep. a lifestyle, you know, yep. you know, people getting outdoors and, you know, getting getting back to basics in a way, getting outdoors and showing their kids the real Aussie bush and shit. I think that's, that is so healthy. Um, they're not, you know, locked up inside watching computer games and shit. They're actually getting out there and doing it. So that's that's a really positive social thing I've seen that come out of COVID. And, um, and as a result, the industry's boomed. Like dudes are selling you know so much product because people can't get enough of it now yeah so yeah it's it's positive in so many ways i thought it was going to be the end of our industry when covid first hit i was really? like oh man like i was ready to, yeah i started putting the applications into bunnings i thought here we go i'm out yeah, yeah. <laughs> this will be the end of us but um it, could, it couldn't have been you know it was definitely not the case we we even for people had a more of a craving for content yeah. and um and and wanted to, the know how so they could get out and do it themselves because they realised they won't be going overseas anytime soon so they thought how do I make the most out of Aussie holidays and, and what was it like seeing um oh like you were you still able to make content through COVID because you were going to such remote places yeah no <laughs> was it harder oh yeah shit yeah like that's yeah we really had to think outside we had because we got people all over the country so um the other presenter graham a real good mate of mine he lives in western australia wow i didn't know that yeah so he's on the other side of the world quite literally oh and he so he got fucking locked oh, in bro he was he was done i didn't see him for like the best part of it 12 months eh? that's wild so and then when you lose your other presenter um we had We've got a production team in New South Wales. We've got us in Queensland. So we had dudes up all over the country. And then we had all these stupid rules with like state borders being locked down and shit. And um, it was so hard for us. We were like, you know, firstly, we've got a pretty understanding audience. Um, They gave us a lot of leeway because we couldn't do the same things. Yeah. Like, and we had to think outside the box. So it made us be very creative over that period. Like we came up with this like beers in the shed, which was all we could film stuck in your shed and it was like a which at the time it was like we're filming this thing just for the sake because we've got nothing else to film eh but so many people love that idea of just a couple of blokes getting together i guess that's why like your podcast is so like popular because you know hearing a couple of blokes have a chat and stuff it's it's nice people to listen to you know and and you know the whole thing of mental health and that was brought up because the people were doing it pretty tough in COVID yeah. right and um, it was just a bit of entertaining sort of light hearted shit to get them through and um, we didn't think of it like that we just thought fuck we've got nothing just to got film some, mate. Got, yeah. got to film some shit and so yeah Graham didn't go on many trips for, for that period and I was just doing where I could travel I went so um, if Queensland was open I'd go up to Cape York or do something yeah. cool in Queensland Fraser Island or something um, we had times where we couldn't go to New South Wales or Victoria, but Tassie was open, so we got our cars trucked. Tassie flew 
over and Graham could go to Tassie, but he couldn't come to Queensland. So yeah, we so just that's had the to, only place you could meet. Yeah, we'd have to move the chess pieces around and find out where we can film, and, and that was it, you know? So it was tough. It was tough. It was, fuck, it was easier for us than many other businesses. Holy yeah, shit. Like, yeah. we, we think goodness was it was very easy compared to imagine the hospitality guys who mm. opened in a bar up you know the day before covid and i heard so many stories like that they were people doing it proper tough over that period but yeah we, we got it we got away with it yeah yeah i mean it was i've i guess just having an online business was kind of the move um but again that's just luck eh? like fuck, what do you what that's, do you, that, what you do back you, to what you said before yeah, man it's all luck and how you can fucking deal with that luck yeah. you know and whether you call it good or bad in the moment is up to you as but well you know that's that sort of putting yourself in the right position to make opportunities like you see the online space has been emerging you got with the times you're an online business therefore when something like this happens which no one could predict you're in a good yeah. spot right yeah yeah no 100 percent. so to go back a little bit so we mm. kind of got to the good tangent but yep. uh we to get back to where you basically stopped and, and uh, stopped with the magazine and then so how was the transition to move online like how did yeah. that kind of happen it was it, it was i guess i guess one thing we had up our sleeve was media training publishing experience um so we were for many years in a position where although it was print magazine it was still media yeah and and we were able to deliver what people wanted to hear in in the in the form of print stories and and obviously the dvds, the DVDs we did so the transition was diff- difficult because we 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 couldn't just write magazine stories which you could just churn them out like, let's be honest pretty easy you know i could i could write a yeah. magazine article in an hour where if I want to go film something on how diff locks work, I'd have to go into the scrub or yeah. take a full day plus the editing, which I don't yeah. fully appreciate even now how hard that is. And, um, and so it takes a lot more time and resources to make video content than the print stuff. Um, by like orders of magnitude. Oh, it's not even no one appreciates yeah, it nah. like i do because i'm in the game a little bit but I can't film or edit, right? I'm useless when it comes to that. Like, you know, but I see, how hard dudes work on it and like our show for instance takes 20 days of editing yep. to, to pull our show together and there's usually a couple of guys working on it so it's a fucking lot of work a lot yeah. of hours and if you want to people don't probably realize that because we get asked i mean this is what people don't really understand like we'll just do a cape york trip and they're like oh so is that coming out next week or do that it's going to be like a week just to transfer the The files yeah yeah yeah. like that's that'll take a week right and um so that was that was different coming to a different platform and um and we were questioning ourselves like is youtube the right space and who was involved in the decision making so me and another bloke called glenn used to basically run the magazine back in the day and um and so we like i said we basically kicked out of a job anyway um and we thought, fuck, there's heaps of life left in media. It just needs to take a different form. Yeah. So we, um, yeah, started like a, an agency and um, basically put everything on the line to, to start full drive 24-7. It was like, a, it was a big ball, ball move. Like looking back at it, it was the best decision we ever made, right? About the time. About the time, oh, like, the sweats. Like, yeah, I, yeah I, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to be able to do this, this for a career yeah, or I yeah. am going to be working at Bunnings. And there's nothing wrong with working at Bunnings, but, you know, I'm probably not tall enough to hit the top shelf, so I'll be <laughs> a little bit stuck, eh? But, but thank fuck it worked out. And um, like I said, best move we ever made because it it got us into, like, to so many more people could, yeah. like, look at our content now and, 
and um, it's, it's changed the whole thing of media. And that's the thing about media; it just evolves. Like it just it's evolving. You got to keep with it, and and that's what's exciting about it. Look at different trends. Like, will YouTube be the be all and all later down the track? Probably not. Yeah. We'll have to reinvent ourselves again and again and again. It might be you know take form and something. It might be shit. We might be doing TikTok videos and dancing around and shit. I, I don't like, hope man, not. I'm out like, by the way if that happens. We do like 20 mil a week on TikTok. Serious? Yeah. It's See, that's hectic. That's bro. something I never got my head around TikTok. Well, we do, it's just podcast clips. So I, we don't do any talk. Like, we don't do fucking dance. Like, we don't nah. actually do any See, TikTok. See, that shows like. Yeah, yeah, nah. So we don't actually. It's literally what we put on Instagram, we put on TikTok, and we get videos that get like 10 million views. It's fucking ridiculous, Fuck man. Me. Yeah, yeah right you guys right. have to do TikTok. We, we do. We only started like 12 months ago. Yeah. We've okay. got a few. And you're right. Some of those views have been pretty wild, but um, it's grown quick. But I. I just don't get around it. I just, I guess I'm. Yeah. But the thing is, so I was, I had this thinking, um, these boys here, like Rones and and Griff, Griff actually, he does all the TikTok stuff, right? And so um, I think Rones was probably the first person. You were, I think you got us TikTok going. Um, And then, yeah, when when Griff started, he just, he started doing it a, a new way and it just, it worked, you know, and we had one video in particular, we, we did a podcast with Abbo Henry, he's like, yeah, oh, listen to that, gang. that was, yeah, oh, that yeah, was mad, yeah. Yeah, so we yeah. put some clips of that on TikTok and it got yeah. like 10 million views. We went up 6,000 subscribers on YouTube yeah. and then I think the podcast with him, like we said, watch the full video on our YouTube, got like an extra 60k views in a week. Really? So like it, yeah. does, it does convert, you know, like you just gotta, I think the hard thing is knowing what's actually gonna convert. Yeah, and how, yeah, see. And you see, think like, oh fuck, I'll do all these videos, this doesn't yeah. even mean anything, but that one video was like, yes, this actually does work. Like to go up 6k yeah. subs for us in a week is, in a month it's, is, it's, is hard. It's getting the right content, I suppose. Like here I am thinking you just need a big rack and a dance around. Yeah. And that's that's what TikTok's all about. But luckily we've got, we've got a cool social media team and they're, they're onto that sort of stuff a lot more than I am probably plugged into. Yeah. But, um, but TikTok yeah, probably does way it. better than you even think. Probably. <laughs> I, I haven't been on there for, for probably a year, eh? So I, I actually don't know what TikTok's doing, but that's right. Getting the right format of content to try and yep. deliver what people actually want to see, I suppose. Yeah. So you guys decide, yep, the YouTube thing is, is the move. And then, yep. so you that's what I guess where we're different is like I come from production so I was kind of looking for a way to like use my skills in a sense like I because I sort of had an agency like basically in America we were just like a video production house yeah yeah and then we kind of plugged into different agencies and I wanted to get away from that because I just didn't want to make other people's content anymore right unless it was for me in terms of like our personal sponsors you know which is very similar to what you guys do very similar yeah yeah so but i had that production background so i couldn't imagine the thought process that's probably why it felt like such a big leap is because you were going to go full-time into this content creation world and that wasn't exactly your lane maybe it certainly wasn't and and you gotta like i said before i can't film i can't edit i I guess my skills are in the publishing side of things, like how to how to sell content and get people excited about content. Um, I need every other skill under the sun to make it come together. So, from the get go, it was it was probably a bigger production than most people would probably 
get involved in from a, from a startup. You know, what purely I mean? because of your ignorance, probably. Correct. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, if I had yeah. more skills, it would have yeah. been it tied up. You're like, I can't fucking do any of this. I need people to help, yeah, yeah. and um, luckily we got some really good help because it would be fucked otherwise. <laughs> so, so yeah, so we, we we still started off a lot smaller than we are now, and yeah. um, and and yeah, we've we've um, we've got a real good knack of making like specialized content for clients as yep. well so similar to what you guys would no doubt do and um we we're we're quite a like these days we we actually make about 900 commercial videos a year for our clients we've got 57 clients in the game whoa yeah so so yeah we're a show but we're also an ad agency as well yeah. so we've got um a lot of different clients from big multinational companies right through to smaller mum and dad companies and all the rest of it but we we specialize we don't we don't take on a client who makes garden hoses and shit like yeah. we, it's only for wood drive or outdoors or people who want to get into that space because that's what we're good at and we don't we don't really muck around with anything else really so how how did that i guess uh lane develop for you like was that when you was that more the agency idea of you wanted to make that kind of content or did that come off the back of the the four-wheel drive content that you put on YouTube? Like what yeah, came first there? It was definitely the content came first. Yeah. So, so okay, here's, here's a brief version of how, and a lot of people do ask, how, how the fuck do you commercialize you know, how do you make money off free content? How do you content? make money? <laughs> yeah. And um, that's, you know, that's, that's a great thing. So this is how it started for me. Um, when I was in the magazine days, right, we have limited budgets. We can only do so much content. Now, I wanted to do some pretty sick things because I just dream about epic trips all day. That's that's what I do. Yeah. And, and I just I just obsess about, like, how do I get to go to Cape York? Yeah. Like, obviously, we're not going to have the budget to send me up to Cape York to go do a trip. But I thought, fuck, if I could sell into a magazine story to get a budget, well, then can I do a trip to Cape York? And the publisher's like, yeah, well, yeah, sick. So I went and approached a bunch of companies i got 15 grand into a, a print story that was an editorial story which would have been unheard of unheard of and i took the first trip was actually the simpson desert and i took um two brand new cars set of testing cars on the local tracks so i thought fuck i'm gonna do a simpson desert trip and here's all the stories i'm gonna get out of it and here's the money beside it we're actually making money out of it see you later and so i was quick in the game to be able to commercialize to, to, to do yeah. what i wanted to do but i realized i needed money to do that yeah so that's how that started and um we had quite a knack of being able to weave in a bit of commercial stuff but still make exciting content because if you if you put too much commercial shit in there no one's going to watch your yeah, content yeah, right yeah and um so we need to make it exciting that people actually watch it but why not get a bit of money behind it so you can actually do more epic things so it's always been spurred on by that that's like, so sick dude that's yeah. literally the secret yeah like that's the basically uh, my how i've thought about it what the fuck do i want to do yeah how much is it going to cost to do it yeah who can pay help me pay to do this exactly. and then how do they get value out that's, of it? that's that's that is the key right yeah. there because because if you just limit yourself by thinking like oh i've only got this much budget so that's all i can ever do well that's the wrong way to go about it you yeah. think like sometimes we think of like fucking crazy things that we want to do we're like oh shit that's going to cost heaps yeah. of money <laughs> yeah. but then we figure out a way to do it and at least if you think that way to start with, you're not going to be limiting yourself with your yeah. content, with, yeah. with you know, what you can do. So, so yeah, we've always been able to, I guess... It's so available to people, though. Sorry to cut you off. Like, yeah. I think so many people think that's a lot harder than what it is. 
mm-hmm. but it, it, it is available to you, you know, like people, you've got to be prepared to start small yep. and you've got to be prepared to over deliver. Yeah. But it's like, what do you want to do? Yeah. You know? And it's like my, my chick, she's, um, she is super into jujitsu right and she's got like a crazy following of jujitsu. It's like, she's one of the few girls that's serious about it that post content. Yeah. Wow. And it's like, that's her fucking life. It's just a, she's got this random hobby yep. that is like in the grand scheme of things, this super small kind of deal. And then that's it. That's how she fucking makes her living, you know? And yep. it's like, it's just the same. You just reverse engineer it and, and you know, you back work out what it's going to cost you. And there's yeah, try and add value to a brand. You start off, you're not going to get ARB the first time you do no. it. You're not going to get Red Hook the first time you do it, No, but you might get a mate that is just starting out that's building alloy trays or you might get a bloke that builds lures at home you know you yes. just start super small and it's i think if if you're willing to put in a fuck ton of work like it's it's not as hard as what people think yeah in a sense. and i think people sometimes go about it the wrong way because i get asked like one of the first things i get asked with everyone who wants to do this is like how do I get free shit for my car? How do I get money to do this stuff? And <laughs> free ain't free. Well, and, <laughs> that's exactly you that's be able the line. You give something say, back. Yeah, like yeah. it's not about free. free, ain't like, free. Like, you know, you know, I've been in a fortunate position where you know I, I have got a lot of free stuff over the years. Um, but that's because I'm able to deliver so yeah. much. Like for someone to throw a set of tires at me, you've got to pay back three times what that's yeah worth. yeah exactly right and if you can't you shouldn't be i'd feel so guilty i wouldn't sleep at night if i knew that i was taking a product and not been able to deliver like i would even after even if i did a shit job and and, and i felt bad about it i would ask for an invoice and say just let me fix you out for it because eh? yeah. it's not sitting right with me um you need to you need to come about it for a whole different thing like in my opinion you've got to be obsessed about making the content you gotta be passionate yeah. about like all you want to do is go to Cape York and be waist deep in a river as you're trying to drive a truck through it. That's yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, what yeah. you want to do. And then figure out how you. Other people go, no, nah, no, nah, I want the free shit for my four wheel drive. I want the money. I'll oh, go do and, this. Oh, so and then I I'll go and do it. a yeah, trip. Yeah. Like right, like, nah, you, you think you're coming about it completely the wrong way. And um, so that's that helped us in a big way establish the foundations to do what we do yeah. these days, right? And there's a big thing because, yeah, similar boat, I guess. But there, I mean, there's times I just fucking buy shit. Yeah. Like I could get it oh, for free. Yeah. hundred. But I'm like, free isn't free. And I tell that to people <laughs> all the fucking time. I'm like, yeah. you see me getting something, it's not for free. I have to, fu- I've either paid for this yeah. with my 15 year fucking career. Yeah. And like these guys over the years, have, I've done so much shit with them or for them that it's like a no brainer for them. Yeah. Or they expect triple on what they're actually giving me and sometimes it's fucking easier for me to just go and buy the shit 100 bro like i've got some i've got some funny stories on, on that but you see people's expectations sometimes might not be like they yeah. might be different to like you know i had this this is a funny story about getting free shit right and this dude was hassling me for fucking years about he makes cutting boards chopping boards and he wanted to give me a chopping board. I, I didn't need a chopping board. I, I had a chopping board. And I, I said no many a times. He met me at a show once with a chopping board and said, here, have this. I was like, oh, okay. So I ended up having this chopping board, right? And and I used it probably for three years in my show on, on the, I did this cooking show. It Got was, his money's worth. Well, you know what? You'd think so. <laughs> oh, no. You'd think so. After three years, the thing got mouldy. Uh, fuck. Like, I don't take good care of, like, 
all my shit and sometimes my drawers fill up with water going through river crossings and stuff. Yeah. Thing got mouldy, had to go in the bin, got another one. Anyway, he was... Off it. Oh, but like, like I've never <laughs> seen... He's like publicly trying to out me on social media. His even daughter wrote hate messages to me. I'm like, oh, I, I said, mate... I said, look, it's been in three years' worth of shows. It's had its run. That's like hundreds of thousands of dollars. Sure, but he didn't think that. He's like, no, I'm gutted about this. And I said, look, just send me the invoice and let me fix you up for that chopping board. And and we'll just call it a day, eh? We'll call it a day. And it's it's still today quite a funny thing. But I guess it shows the point that people's expectations could be, like for him, that chopping board was like... That's a life problem. That's a lifetime membership. I should have called 25 shows about his chopping board and just mentioned it every time and showed people uh, yeah, right yeah. but that's his expectations you know and um you know we and that's why it's sometimes easy to buy your shit and not yeah. get free stuff yeah because <laughs> yeah that's that is the uh i guess the common misconception if yeah. you're in that kind of industry is that you just get given so much shit yeah there's no expectation there's no like i legit have a a folder in my emails specifically for companies that have like given us product and i just look at it all the time to make sure that i'm not dropping the fucking ball on any of the shit and you know what i do all the time yeah like it's just it's hard to do it is man it it is tough it is absolutely tough and um and you know it's not free and i think you made that point i think i think you know your your 20 years you've been invested in in the game um the following the 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 amount of eyeballs the the amount of sales you can bring a company by by using some of those products so it's paying it back and if you think you're in the game just to get some free shit to build your car yeah you're probably coming about it the wrong way man there's honestly i've actually started feeling this a little bit lately too and you would feel this on a completely different level but when you do move the needle for a company in like a fairly big way like yeah. I, I, we recently had um a product that, that was like it was involved in the podcast and they've made of like a lot of money yeah and i was like Oof, like that's, that's more than i've made like that's yeah. more money than i've made yeah. like it's sort of a you kind of get in a weird like that's a weird position to be in and then that was a that was a a I guess a point where like I've always tried to be really really genuine yeah. about and I I don't I'm not like affiliated with anyone in particular when it comes to bike brands and things like that I try and be just super honest I'm like that's the best 250 that's the best that's the only 350 yeah. that's the best for this is the bike I like the best this is I pretty well try and lay it out there but after this I was just like fuck I really really need to make sure that I'm like being very honest and very genuine every time you talk on certain things because it actually can make people a lot of money and oh, people will sure. spend their hard-earned money on the um, based on recommendations of somebody that they trust and if you've listened to 300 episodes of the podcast like there's probably a level of trust there if you've For watched sure. hundreds of hours of your show there's a level of trust there yeah absolutely and that's the flip side isn't it there's a huge responsibility comes with that you're i took it for granted for a long time yeah man and like that's you know we we are very commercial we make no apologies for that but at the same time we we have uh, i i guess we've, we've established a lot of trust with our audience and we wouldn't you know promote a product we didn't truly believe in and there's been so many clients we've turned down because we don't believe in the product or they've got they might even just have bad customer service when someone rings up they have a bad experience and we can't help companies like that so we have to be a bit 
authentic in what we do or else we burn our trust in two minutes like yeah. you know I've, I've seen it and this is I guess it comes back to the media training I've had in, in publishing but I see these guys that start a Instagram or a YouTube page or whatever they start doing videos and the next minute they're flogging off like some cheap loan company yeah, to their yeah. audience and you're yeah. like you're like bro you've what you've you've made a thousand bucks but you've just fucked your brand in yeah. two seconds like, yeah. <laughs> like that's just a lack of understanding where they say oh there's a bit of money on the table let's grab that and um, sometimes for the you know if you're in for the long haul you know pick and choose your clients that sort of work with your brand or something you'll believe in at least because you can't yeah. genuinely flog a product that you don't believe in and if yeah. you don't well there's no point your audience is smart they're going to see straight through it uh, especially in Australia bro yeah they're all over it like they're smarter than I am about that sort of stuff and um, they'll they'll see through it if you're flogging some cheap shit they know it's cheap shit and you're trying to say it's the bee's knees like yeah. it's not going to work is the it? old YouTube comment section oh true we'll yeah. let you know that's so different with media these days instant feedback oh. you get it now in magazine game forums were big so you'd have to you'd you'd write you've got to go find it yeah you'd have to write a magazine article it we used to get printed offshore so it'd take like three four months before it got printed people have to go buy it read it then they could they couldn't comment at the end of the magazine yeah once they'd read it or halfway through or they just seen the thumbnail yeah exactly they can just go and type it in two seconds and um yeah it's different it's different these days like it's i think it's better in a sense i mean there's times where people just take the piss and mm. it's funny i've noticed that whenever there's you get a few bad comments it'll just turn into a waterfall yeah it's honestly just people will pile on like as soon as there's a license to say fucked up things on in yeah. comments and everyone else is doing it it's just like the floodgates open and yeah. that's like it becomes an outlet for people and you, you know? get to see how many mouth breathers idiots out there that just you know <laughs> you, you can't please everyone in yeah. doing it but what you'll find is the minority will make the noise yeah yeah like and that's that's one thing we've had to teach ourselves over the years like you might get five bad comments and you look at them and you go, oh, fuck, yeah, you don't want to read that yeah, shit before yeah. you go to bed, right? You're like, ah, yeah. oh, really? And you, you hate it that much, eh? But then you look at like, oh, well, the thing's got a million views and like heaps of people liked it. There's, yeah. there's five dickheads out there just being dickheads. Like you, you, you got to uh, differentiate the, the noise from the substance in that sense. Yeah. Did like, it take a long time? Yeah, for me, when I was, especially when I was young, um, I took everything to heart. Yeah, okay. I, I couldn't read. I would make it back when forums were a thing, right? I wouldn't read comments on forums and things before I go to bed because it would fuck oh, me. I wouldn't be able to, yeah, yeah, it wouldn't, yeah. I wouldn't be able to sleep, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, these days, I've been doing it for a while now and um, yeah, I just try and ignore the stuff. Like you, Sometimes if I've had a few beers or whatever, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll jump back onto the comment section and go, you know what, fuck you, mate. Like, <laughs> but then that never works either because you can't argue with an idiot Mm. No matter what you say, they're, they're, they've got you know a bit of an axe to grind, so they're just going to keep going and going and going. No matter what you say or reason with them, or say this is why we did this, mate. No, you, you, yeah, you're there's idiot. no future. Yeah, you go, okay, mate. But you can't argue with a dickhead. So um, sometimes it's best just ignore that stuff. Yeah, it was it was definitely hard for me at the start to yeah. to do that, but I'm the same now. Like it's fairly like fuck. I feel like at this point too, barring any like real fuck up like saying something dumb yeah. that got taken in the weird context and there's a bunch of hot button shit these days that could get you in trouble yeah. but it's like I feel like I've heard it all he talks yeah. too much 
fucking thinks about this he does Podcast, stop talking right? about jiu-jitsu that, yeah. like, i literally know all of, at this point i yeah. know everything yeah. you'd have to say some real weird shit to, 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 get like, to be different and yeah. then it's so weird that i'm probably not going to take it serious anyway yeah but that's it'd be tougher in the podcast game because you know you're talking for a while like for a long time actually and and you say so many things and people are so PC these days yeah. that people want an excuse to get offended. So they're on the edge of their chair, sitting there Waiting. going, please offend me because I can't wait to get on that comment <laughs> section and have a crack, eh? Like, that's what people are like these days. Like, yeah, anyway. But I always, I always say to people and anyone that's in this game too, I go, how many of your friends leave negative YouTube comments? Yeah. Or negative Instagram comments? Yeah. And then they go oh no I don't really have any and be like cool you shouldn't think you shouldn't give a fuck about what everyone thinks yeah, man. you should give a fuck about what your best mate thinks your second best mate your third best mate and then clip it at 10 and yeah. then care about what your missus thinks care about what your mum and dad thinks and that's like that should be your keep, judge keep of character because they it in know the real you. world yeah yeah I, I had a comment like a couple of weeks back I was looking looking through it and then you know you get some tickets like I said and this guy was like you can't drive for shit I was like, <laughs> I was like okay fair, fair enough fair enough but then I clicked on the dude's like Instagram handle and he's a full 14 year old boy yeah yeah like his mum drives him to school yeah, you, like i can't drive for shit yeah. but you can't drive you're not, <laughs> you're not allowed you, you can't drive at all like it's a big call coming from a 14 year old kid right and you think like i so, respect him though yeah like, like <laughs> you he, makes a, he makes a fucking point to me. <laughs> he like, he's saying some sense man but, hey it's the ones that are true that hurt the most yeah that's right and you're like oh yeah, it got me nah but, you know but that's what i mean like so many comments that people just type but there's no substance behind it really like you know i'm not going to change the course of our show because oh fuck maybe i shouldn't drive anymore all right <laughs> i'll stop driving because i'm a shit driver right fuck it i'll walk because of one 14 year old kids had a fucking go on 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 the comment section uh, no nah, it's 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 a brave new world but but like you said it's positive at the same time because you get instant feedback and yeah. you can you, you can, can change the, yeah and, you yeah. can adjust and that's that's super cool like we we get so many ideas from our audience and like yeah. our audience can be brutal at times but they also give us a stack of inspiration like they see something they like like you know i was talking about building cars and stuff before like i've got a couple of builds where you know i said it took four years or i'm in the middle of one right now and it's because people are so frothing to see this thing come out they actually give me a lot of motivation to, to keep, get it done keep, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll just lose interest in it and it'd take it 10 years to get that car on the road and and these guys are pushing like when are we going to see another and we're like oh fuck i better pull my finger out eh and um and you can you can you can be a little bit more fluid with the content you're providing like oh shit people want to see that so let's do a bit more of that sort of stuff you know yeah definitely so that's cool um when you said before the you i guess made reference to just the long term and the it's like a long game yeah did, when did you figure that out um i i guess i guess right from the beginning because when i was 20 years old bright eye bushy tailed wanted to make it you want it all now well no I, I i wanted to be doing this for 40 years yeah okay so for me it wasn't about like fuck what can i take out of this industry in the next two years and yeah, build yeah. my car and be done with it it was like no this is this is my career i want to be doing this shit when i'm 60 years old until i'm too old to be yeah driving over things right i'm i'm passionate about it i love i love the fact that you can in this day and age you can go out and do what you love and get paid for it like that's achievable you know i've been able to do it and um you know you probably couldn't have done that like 50 years ago right no 
and um not, so nowhere near in the same way not in the same way no. like it's it's pretty cool world we live in these days and um so i've from the get-go i've always seen this as a, as a long-term game um and and anyone i've seen in in youtube and stuff like that it's long yeah. like i've got a mate who's got a fishing channel and um you know he's been he's been grinding away doing one video a week it's pretty hard in the fishing games you gotta actually catch fish you gotta right? go out and i fish, can go yeah. out and film yeah. drive content doesn't yeah. matter if it's raining or sunny or every yeah. day i can yeah. get content when you you got to catch fish is a whole nother thing and he's been doing it consistently for like five What's years channel? uh sammy hitsky fishing yeah okay yeah he's um you know he lives and breathes it that's what he you know i fish with him a lot just because he genuinely is one of the only dudes that will fish as hard as i will and so i love fishing with him because we we'll go out before the sun comes up like like we might leave home at one in the morning yeah, right, yeah. And, and be on the water all day and get home in the dark that's just very normal for us and um he can fish hard so um yeah he, he's been going you know it's been a slow burner now he's nearly at a hundred thousand subs but it's taking five years and hard hard hard, hard yeah, work yeah. yeah the amount of early morning starts filming on rainy days we don't want to be out in the ocean right and um he's had a video out every single week it just does not stop and um it's that grind you know didn't come like the first three years he would have made nothing yeah out of literally YouTube. nothing it would have cost him heaps of money to do mm. it in fact but that's that's the game it's it's long term you can't just expect to just be mr beast after the three episodes or something and think yeah, yeah it's all going to just fall in your lap you know and i think the other thing that that people think as well i actually thought this this was probably one of the uh things i got a quick shock about is that it doesn't matter who you fucking collab with no nah. a lot of people too would think that if they wanted to start a youtube channel they've like just started one like three weeks ago and if they went on one of your trips oh. they'd end up with a hundred thousand subscribers yeah. and their followers would go up like i mean we always did like pretty good but we never it's not like we just had hundreds of thousands you you just don't blow up deluxe in the way that you used to and that was one thing that i thought all right surely the chad reed podcast gets you up to this surely this person surely daniel yeah nothing it's just an incremental fucking grind and there's it's there's no shortcut to to doing it i mean unless you're the and but the caveat is is the people that do blow up deluxe overnight they're like a shooting star or like a comet that just enters the atmosphere and they fucking yeah they flame out and then they disintegrate into nothing yes uh, so, that's and so any true. of the people that you see that are doing really well at this type of thing don't, don't matter what collab they got don't matter what you know no. uh, how it sort of went it was just this slow methodical grind and the people that are there at the end are, or the people that have that longevity it, it was a very similar story yeah yeah without a doubt we we have never done anything that has just gone proper viral and just gone through the roof everything's just been very consistent and we've just grown over many years of doing it there has never been one thing we can look back and go fuck that that was that was pivotal yeah, in our like growth. Yeah, yeah where we just jumped a hundred thousand subs or something it's just been grind 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 for for years yeah that's that, yeah. and that's the I think that's probably a I guess maybe a misconception people would have yeah. that you know want to kind of enter into what you guys do yeah yeah exactly right and probably the other big misconception is you just get paid shit loads from, from <laughs> upload one video YouTube and all of a sudden you're living like a rock star that's not that's not the case <laughs> man I've actually recently like I'm, I'm listening to all the podcasts and yeah. interviews and stuff with other YouTubers and stuff that, that I can get my hands on yeah 
so many content creators these days are saying that they only get about 20% of their revenue from YouTube ads. Oh, right. And the rest, like 80% is brand deals and, and uh, merch yeah. and stuff like yeah. that. And yeah. like when we don't fit that, like we, we've, ours is like YouTube. So I'm really just literally like this month, I'm like, you know what? I need to work on 20% coming from YouTube and not yeah. being like so did like uh, reliant on it. Yeah, that's definitely the case with us. Yeah, without, same. without a doubt. Um, YouTube is, is a small portion of the revenue we get. I mean, we could, we, you know, we have 20 staff um, these days now, and you know, YouTube wouldn't be able to pay for, no. for all that goings on and all the rest of it. I, I get real jealous of the dudes that are just like, one guy one guy with one a GoPro webcam. and you're like yeah. fuck and they got heaps they got millions of subscribers they're, they're killing it and that's great but um, you know we're a full production and we're just different it's going to cost lots of money to make it so we're not going to be you know hugely profitable just with YouTube alone that's for sure so how like how many staff did you start the the new version of the company yeah. with and like how did it kind of grow out from there yeah well we probably probably started with like five of us or something okay so and you then, just went pretty balls deep pretty yeah quick. yeah we did it was like like i said it, was, it felt like a big risk but luckily we'd been doing it for many years before we just yeah. changed the the just changed the handle yeah exactly so and then um and then as we sort of developed our company so like more of an ad agency as well um you know we're still looking for staff now we're, we're you know we're, we need more people and um yeah we're we're quite prolific i suppose we're making a lot of videos yeah. these days so do you deal with much of the production like producer side of it like you're not filming and editing but when it comes no. to like organizing hard drives and the way that the uh, content's managed and the teams and who's working on what project and like what mm. what's your role like essentially um yeah okay so I spend a fair bit of my time on the business, like working on the business. Like but biz dev sort of stuff. Yeah, and just like strategy and stuff like that. Um, in terms of production, no. Um, the problem with me is I'm I'm literally in the bush for seven months of the year. <laughs> like, no <laughs> that, shit. That's a pro- that is a problem. When and it so comes to and so yeah. So I can't I can't I can't manage heaps of stuff because I I'll drop the ball when I You're I'm away. out of reception yeah. for three yeah. weeks yeah. and then I come back and I'm trying to pick the pieces up. And then you got your life to pick up in the meantime as well oh. when you come home and you're like, where was I again? Yeah. And um, so luckily we we'd fallen a heap if I was organising anything actually. So, yeah. so we've got some really good production guys on there that keep it running really smoothly, uh, manage the team and stuff like that. So, um, but yeah, yeah, I'll obviously I'll work hard on the business when I'm around. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, can you let Hurl out? He's fucking carrying on like a dickhead. Come on, bud. Go on, get out. Get out and stay out. Shit sidekick. Hard to get good staff, eh? Good dog. (laughs) He's actually American, that dog. Is he? Yeah, brought him back. I was only disgusted the other day. I didn't think you could do that, but yeah. No, it's an absolute fucking nightmare. I would not recommend it for anybody. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so how long did it take to, like, did you guys scale up fairly fairly quickly? And and so you said you got some people here and then some people in Sydney. Yep. Because it's, it's and, and super Brisbane. interesting, like, uh, the way that you guys have had to set the business up. Yeah, exactly right. And um, we, we've been... I've been doing it for a while now, I suppose, in the new format of the business. And, um, you know, it sounds, it sounds flash. Oh, we've got, a, we've got an office in Sydney and one in yeah. Brisbane. But it's only for the sheer fact that we just live all over the country. So we, um, you know, 
if we it'd be better to have one central hub but the, the way it is we've got dudes everywhere and our team you know we're, we'd rather have a sick team all over the joint than just yeah right now you have the to B live in this place together, yeah, yeah you just yeah. have to live in this one space so that's just by virtue of our team spread out we've had to like you know start the sydney office and then because of that then we've got more and more people as we our, our you know we, we're we're servicing now what 57, 57 clients said, yeah. like that's 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 wild, wild. Yeah, yeah it's pretty wild and um you know so we, we need lots of hands to make that work because you know we can only do so much like i can only do so much film so much so you know even we've got other presenters we've got um three presenters like full-time um, oh yeah yeah and we're, we're about to put another one on actually pretty soon and um we probably the way i see it in maybe a couple of years we'll probably put on even more presenters and stuff like that and have maybe six or seven presenters yeah uh, we're starting a caravan show um Sick. this year which is pretty wild yeah um and yeah just uh, the way i see youtube is like like i call it like channel nine yeah uh, full drive 24 7 like and you should have different programs on your yeah yep. i don't know if that's the right strategy or not but i totally think it is man like it's got to be it's within that niche it can't be you know it can't be something completely you know abstract but like having like multiple well shows you've got that on, overlap you know yeah. what i mean and you can kind of the edges can be pretty far away but as long as there's like a little bit of overlap yep. from the middle out you know exactly so oh, that's the way i see it going in the future having having a few different shows on there and giving some of these other presenters like i can't do it all graham can't do it all we're maxed out give some other guys a go to be the face of their own show some guys are quite handy with his hands like maybe a diy show like yep. teaching people how to install shit or fix their truck in the shed you know um right through to you know technical things information how to's like there's so much you can do because at the end of the day and this is what like a lot of people think oh but you see this other person's competition or whatever i actually don't because i know i'm an enthusiast i fucking love fishing i love yeah. four-wheel driving i love cars no matter what I'm into, I'll never, ever find enough information on that particular subject matter. 100%. I will never go, shit, I've seen everything in fishing now, or I've seen everything in four-wheel driving, and you got to put yourself in in the point of view of, you know, an audience member. Like, that person lives and breathes the off-road lifestyle. What, because we make one or two shows, that's going to satisfy their appetite for content? No. They could watch two hours a night and still not get enough. So, so putting more shows on our, on our platform that would be a great thing you know and more people making more cool content that's that's a positive thing for for the industry as well as, as yeah. uh, just you know even fuck the industry just the people who are passionate about four-wheel driving it's giving them more information yeah I, I think about it in the exact same way like you could you could think about it as a zero-sum game where for you to get more of something then somebody else needs to get less. Yeah. And there's so many people that yeah. have that zero-sum mindset. But if you think about it from a positive-sum mindset, where more for you means that the pie itself has gotten bigger. Yeah. And that's what platforms like YouTube and TikTok and all these uh, these different platforms, like they have algorithms like that want to find new people. They're yeah. actively trying yeah. to find new people. Yeah. So the more content that is out there, you're just like casting a, a bigger net. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, the people like yourself that have that mindset, there's a, a crazy channel in uh, the US, a podcaster that I love. His name's Adam22. Oh, and, yeah, uh, yeah. No Jumper. No Jumper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I get around shit. that a bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. dude, crazy. Like, it's the same fucking yeah. story. Like, his story and our story, it's the same shit. Like, yeah. start way back in the day, like, magazine era. Like, his was a blog with, yeah. we, I think it was We The People. 
um, was his, oh no, the come up was the website. Yeah. And I remember it as a kid. I used to go on the come up when I was at school. Yeah. Um, but yeah, same deal. And, and I think he figured out that for his show, um, that there's only like a finite amount of interviews that he can do. So he brought in these co-hosts and yeah. he's got, he's got all these different people and there's some guys that are blowing up now that are on his channel um, that they've got their own shows and they're doing their own sort of deal. And and so his stuff, like if you actually, what you're trying to do is like, it's pretty much the same stuff. So he'd be like a really good guy to look at, but he's in the exact same mindset. So I think that that mindset's right. I I think so. I think so. And, um, and, and and it's going back to what we said, having the, the, the audience in mind first before you do anything. What do they want to see before you start worrying about advertising mm. and, and, and how do you make a buck out of it? Like if you, if you get that, what does the audience want? Well, they want more content. They want more stuff. That's why you shouldn't be like, oh, shit, that guy's, you know, got a kick-ass channel or he's taken you know, potential client money off us. Like, you know, if if the client wants to spend their money with someone else, that's maybe you're not doing a good job yourself. Yeah, like yeah. maybe think of it like that rather than like trying to get jealous of all these other people entering your space. Like it's a fucking big world out there. Oh yeah. Yeah. And again, the platforms are incentivized to find new people and that yeah. should be the goal for everyone. Yeah. So hopefully, yeah, we can make some cool new shows and get some new talent coming up through. Um, shit. People will be bored of me soon enough. Surely <laughs> it'd be cool to see some other guys have a crack and, and, and you know do what they're passionate about and get it out in the channel and stuff that'd be sick have you guys ever thought about maybe moving not moving completely but you go from youtube to maybe like a netflix or an amazon Mm. or you know even the australian broadcast sort of stuff and actually get on tv like i mean fucking we grew up on rex hunt like yeah malcolm douglas there's been such a crazy uh, lineage of Australian outback presenters that yeah. you know, and if I'm sure if you have got all the own production capabilities yourself, yeah. So like, so the the I guess we were offered TV probably shit before YouTube. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah we okay. were very close. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were very close to signing up and doing a TV show, and then we we didn't. Um, what was the reason in that? Well. At, at the time, it probably would have been a half-decent decision back in the magazine days to go on yeah, the TV. because yeah, that was the options. And um, the, the, one of the big reasons was not people were paying $10 a magazine to buy our stuff. And so we were a bit apprehensive about putting free content out there that was replicating mm. what we're currently doing. So probably not people, well, people pay if they can just watch it on telly, right? So we are in two minds and we sort of missed the TV boat. And then it came to like when YouTube was blowing up and we still had the option, do we go on telly? Like, and um, thank fuck we didn't because TV, I believe, is dead. And that might be a little bit controversial, but I, I think it is. They use, like, cause I'm, I'm from the magazine game. I know how it works with... Which died. Which died. <laughs> you watched and, the and, But I know more so how they just lie to all their advertisers yeah about say, numbers numbers yeah, man yeah yeah like, yeah like in, in magazine see when I was saying before copy sales we sold 50,000 copies that's a real number that's how many magazines we sold now there's another number in magazines called readership which is mm. basically based on random recognition yeah, yeah, yeah whatever yeah. they want man because yeah. you could be selling 5,000 copies and you've got a readership of 300,000 yeah it doesn't make sense it, it's, they're bullshit numbers designed to, for ad dollars correct and that's what same as tv all the numbers are bullshit 
on TV, like pretty much. And um, and and what we would we would go and put ourselves on a Saturday time slot at four PM when every enthusiast is out there actually living their yeah, dream doing camp and shit. stuff. Yeah. And um, and you have to you have to pay to go onto a network slot until you're good enough that they pay you, right? And um, TV. It just wasn't. It just wasn't. I, I at the time TV was big, but YouTube. I just felt like fuck. People can watch it if they want to watch it on Monday night or when they want to watch it, they can. And um, and there's no restrictions. Like you can be anywhere in the world. You've got a device. You can log into YouTube. And we that we went down that path for that reason. And thank fuck we did because TV numbers are dead. Yeah. Like they're they're small. Like I, I learned a stat the other day. Right that the number I might be wrong on this mind you but but the highest watched program on telly was a state of origin um, it was a decider game um, and it got 1.1 or 1.2 million views yeah right that's the biggest thing in TV full stop and we regularly get over a million views per per show so yeah. TV and we your, would have been your like, unique viewers per month would be in the millions yeah yeah and then in the whole format the whole format of telly is like you very rigid. Right, you got like a thirty-minute time slot, which means twenty-two minutes, minutes yeah, 22, yeah, of of actual content. And because you're paying probably thirteen grand a slot to get that half an hour, you got to put so many bloody ads in there that the whole I've seen all the other four-wheel drive shows, just a big infomercial thing yeah, with no yeah. substance. And yeah. You think, like, is that the direction we want to go? And um. And then that's why we couldn't work because telly sounds sick like, to a client. Like, oh, we're on TV. Oh, cool. And that's one of the first things we get asked all the time. So, oh, what channel are you on? They're like, YouTube. Yeah. And they're like, what? The biggest one. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. They, some people don't understand. Yeah, like, now yeah. people do, I think, in a big way. But but probably five years ago, they were like, oh, so you're just a YouTube channel. Like, what's that mean? Nothing compared to this dude who's on a 10 a.m. time slot on a Sunday morning who gets 50,000 views. Yeah, 30K or whatever. Yeah, if he's lucky. Yeah, yeah. Like, you're like yeah okay so that was a good decision but yeah tell it tell it so getting back to what you were saying though um i feel like nowadays though you'd be in a much different position we 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 certainly probably would we haven't really explored it but one thing i'd like to do down the track is is more of a personal thing not a commercial thing is is make a series for netflix or something like that which was very much uncommercial cool content doing the sickest things yeah. full stop with high production values that would be that would be like a personal project i'd love to do and um i could see myself doing something later on just i, I don't know if it'll make a sense it'll probably cost me money to be honest but yeah but it, it'd be feel it'd be pretty cool to have deliver something like that yeah and put it out there um and yeah we've got a couple of ideas maybe down the track we might i think that's that's probably like commercial tv is probably not the answer but netflix yeah, all that sort yeah. of shit i reckon obviously is the future yeah yeah that's definitely um yeah where my head's at as well with it is like mm. i'd look at tv shit as basically just a fucking another platform like uploading a video to facebook you yeah. just upload it to channel seven and then you know if that we're, we're not really in that yeah. line but as from a media point of view like that's how i would kind of look at it yeah but to look at netflix amazon prime hulu all those different um services yeah makes a lot of sense these days when you can just you know you sign a deal it's just literally a product order on their end you know it's yeah. like hey we need this is a series fucking bang this is a specs here's the contract send it through and then you just get essentially syndicated you know yeah then that, that'd be cool because people can watch it whenever they want as yeah. well and all those services and stuff and, and in weird countries and in weird places yeah yeah so yeah look 
shit one day, but I guess my head's not even there. I think that there's is so much other shit to do here. Yeah, there's so much, and <laughs> yeah. it's just like like I was saying that you know the demand for cool content is is pretty huge, and we've got so many ideas we want to do on our own channel that we can't even do yet because of time and stuff like that. So yeah, I want to do more fun stuff, more stuff that excites me, like building cool cars, doing cool adventures. Like that's that's the stuff I can see is the next evolution of what we do. Yeah, is just just more fun stuff. <laughs> Sounds pretty easy, right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Um, but that'd be cool to have time to do that and that's what getting other presenters and, yeah. and more people yeah. come on board will allow me to do more of that stuff and so the industry itself it seems like from me on the outside like I know uh, there's yourself and there's a couple other like bigger YouTube channels that it's just full time that's what yeah. they do in Australia with 4x4s yeah is the industry pretty receptive to it, and do they do they get it? Was that I'm, yeah. I'm sure you were probably one of the pioneers of changing people's mind and changing like the industry perception of yeah. online content. Because nowadays, you're right. Like it seems like there's a lot of companies that make a lot of money off guys like yourself For that sure. recommend these products, and it seems like that you call it influencer marketing. It's like way more conf- uh, more complicated than an influencer marketing, but yeah. essentially that's what it is. Yeah. But it seems like that the industry's benefited crazy off it. And from my end, like on the motocross thing, it's still a slog, dude. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, bro. I see that in other industries. I will say that the four-wheel drive industry is booming and it is probably one of the easier... You know, you, st- you need good content. Like, not everyone's going to make it. Like, But if you're doing a really good show, you've got great engagement and you're a fair dinkum yeah. person that, you know, um, is passionate about what they do, you, you're going to be quite successful in that industry. In the fishing or boating industry, doesn't matter how much you like that. Really? Bit. So oh, it's, it's just totally super different. super hard. Yeah, okay. like, like, you know, a fishing company will probably think you should do 50 videos for them and they'll give you a free pack of lures maybe. For yeah. Them. That's, that's how that industry sort of works I think I don't really know but um, <laughs> the four-wheel drive industry is a, a little bit more mature and, and, and is doing really well look when when things go a bit tougher in the industry that's where it's going to weed out a lot of people that aren't making good content that's for sure so is that a is that a thing there's a bunch of people that are doing it that just kind of aren't even really making that good of content yeah I guess so like I, hard for you to answer I, I guess I, in the I position don't even, that I don't even watch much yeah, content yeah. on four wheel drive stuff really um, I, you know I don't even watch my own stuff that much to yeah. be real honest but um, but yeah I mean I think it's gonna it'll certainly get harder in the next few years to commercialise your stuff in, in the you know with third party sponsorship and stuff in the, down the track and um, and a lot of it comes down to results at the end of the day. Like if you're yeah. not getting good results for people, they're going to find out pretty quickly and they're going to boot you. That's yeah. just how that works. Um, but if you're getting great results for people and sell them heaps of product, well, they'll be mad to let you go. And that's that's what people will be judged on. They, they always will. So it doesn't matter how you know flashy your lights are and, yeah, and yeah. You, know, you, you, you post every day about how good you are. It'll all come out in the wash at the end. No, that's true. Yeah. So you've got uh, like your big adventure stuff on the, that you want to do. Like, what's mm. what's some as someone that's done so much shit? What's your bucket list stuff? Ah, oh, so much. These are places in Australia I haven't been before, but I'd like to incorporate some of the four wheel driving and fishing together. Like with the idea of going to really far flung places that are hard to get to in order to catch a fish or to, yeah. to you know to do something um and and that's i guess that's they're the things i actually do 
on my holidays. Yeah, they're, right. the, they're the stuff when the cameras get turned off. That's that's what I froth on, and I I always have a, a trip in the back of my mind of something I'm going to do, and I just froth every day until I can do that trip. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how that works. But um, I like like I said, maybe film a couple of those sort of things down the track. And so, of all the places that you've been thus far, like what's some of the your favourite trips in Australia? You reckon? Oh, so there's so many. Be like, like picking kids. Yeah, man. Like especially like back in the uh, the early days when we weren't as big, and you could get away with not breaking a few laws, but you didn't have to like do everything so by the by book. the book. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we did this trip on the eastern side of Cape York where we basically went from Captain Billy's to Usher Point. Yeah. You got across five saltwater creeks. There's no track. You go across headlands and only when the tide is lower than 0.5 of a metre can you make it even through. And um, it took us four days to do 60Ks. Like that, you have to sign up at the start of the trip. You could lose your vehicle. It might get bogged. And as soon as the tide comes in, that it's car fucked, is yeah. gone. Yeah, See yeah. you later. So you've got to be willing to lose a vehicle as well. And <laughs> trips like that, you probably, I probably couldn't do that trip again because, um, you know, whether you, we, we sort of got permission, but we sort of didn't. And um, these days we're too big to get away with that shit anymore. Yeah. You, you, you can't just go and do that or else you, you as soon as you get yeah you, you get in strife for that sort of stuff there's no coming back from it um so some of those adventures were epic like just epic um you know we've, we've been in that situation before in the kimberley um another time we, we literally ran out of food and had to like hunt animals <laughs> to sick. keep going like we could have survived we had tins of tuna and stuff but but um, there was a lot of free-range beef walking around too. So, <laughs> so you know, little things like that. There's all these like, little side adventures on the big trips that people see that they don't get to see that um, some of the highlights of, you know, when we're doing when it, we're really doing it. When you're adventure. actually doing yeah, it tough as well. There's, there's, there's literally consequences for fucking up. Like, yeah, you, yeah. You can't just go, oh, well, we'll just check in with accommodation tonight and we'll all be sweet. 100%. Like, yeah. So those things, that, that gets me going. I just love that stuff. And... Um, yeah, we've had, we've been lucky enough to do some epic stuff. We've done some stuff through Arnhem Land. Yeah, um, that's just untouched up through there. Um, yeah, just just heaps of epic adventures that we've got to do. We've, there's some stand out, obviously. It's usually the stuff that happens behind the scenes off camera that you know is just an absolute hoot that you know you can't really film all of it. Yeah, but, but yeah, they they go down to the memory bank as some pretty epic adventures. So is has four wheel driving in that sense been watered down a little bit these days, like with more laws and shit? Because like I remember my first times up to Cape York, like that Jardine ferry wasn't there. Yeah. So like we've I've done twice. I've watched my dad ride a XR six hundred across the Jardine River. Jesus. And then uh, like I remember my I think it was my second trip up there. Like when I was a kid. Like this is like childhood memories. Yeah. We got. We got to the crossing at Jardine and on a bike that lasts from like Fruit Bat Falls to the Jardine River crossing is like some of the most fun fucking riding you can ever do on a bike. It's just deep sand, like perfect four-wheel drive tracks and we you get a whole group of bikes. Um, But yeah, I remember pulling up there as a kid and uh there was there was actually this Japanese dude. We called him Wally and he'd he'd ridden uh, this like kind of adventure bike thing from back in the day from melbourne 
and stopped at the Jardine and he was like, oh, I can't get across. So he was literally going to turn that close to the tip. He was going to turn, turn around and go back home. So he ended up, he ended up, um, dad rode his bike across and like we're, we're in the 60 series. My mum drove the 60 series and my dad rode the bike and then yeah. he had like the whole other crew of bikes and that. So mum's driving this 60 series across with three kids all in fucking car seats and colouring books and shit like floating That's up. And, uh, and then dad was drive, like riding a bunch of the bikes across. All the bikes got so fucked that we had to camp there for... It was either one or two nights we camped on the opposite side of the Jardine just because we couldn't get the bikes going. Yeah. And, uh, and that was just one of like my standout memories, you know, but that that's yeah. done now because there's just a ferry there that's so right. like it's kind of watered down in that sense you'll, you'll never be able to replicate a Cape York trip like that and yeah. it's becoming softer and softer as time goes on which it's good and bad exactly yeah. but you know mostly bad I think I, I, <laughs> I like I like the adventure of it like the day you start getting wicked vans and shit up in Cape York it's gonna lose its edge <laughs> for me man and like that's what's gonna happen when it's all bitumen and I get it needs to be a bit of progress and there's still other spots that really adventurous that you, you know yeah yeah but it's it, it, it is taking the adventure out of you speak to any you know old timer old school dude, yeah, yeah who's done those trips and they're the first ones to tell you how it wasn't like this 30 years ago and it wasn't it was tough as nuts and it was a goat track for most yeah, of it yeah. like even when i started going up there like there wasn't bridges on some of the crossings you had to go through like yeah. drive through the laura and stuff like yeah, that there was no yeah. bridge i remember the bridge was getting built as we're driving through the laura and if the water was a bit high you waited out and stuff like that yeah these days it's it is a heck of a lot it's easier just a causeway and a bridge and yeah yeah exactly like you you don't have to you can drive to the tip in a Commodore now. You, you, you literally you can. <laughs> yeah, you literally yeah. can. And I've seen it. I've seen Commodores up there, you know. <laughs> There's it's, a lot of Commodores up yeah, there, actually. That's right. that's, I've towed a couple of through water crossings too. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's changed and um, that's the way it's going to go as well. But there's always going to be those side tracks. Fringe, yeah. Yeah, and that's what, yeah, keeps us going. Like, there's so many. And, and if you can get access into some, you know, privately owned or TO sort of places shit you can have a proper adventure yeah, yeah yeah i actually saw we were we were going through some photos of the cape like those trips when we were younger yeah you know it's gotten way gnarlier is the fucking pasco on the on the other side of that oh yeah pasco crossing like we yeah we saw photos we were just literally the other night at mum and dad's and i was like dad's like oh that's the pasco i was like fuck that's that's it yeah. it's like cooked now yeah yeah and you know so many people giving it a go just washes out and then you get a wet season come in all the rain just just and there's so many trees and, like right it, that's not a very open crossing nah, either. it's always every year you've got to go with the chainsaw when you're first up the pass like up the up the frenchman's because all the trees will just block your way it's pretty gnarly like the guys who do the cape first like the telly track and the frenchman's all the iconics first of the season like it'll take them days because they're, they're chainsawing trees chainsawing out of the way they yeah. might have to get a shovel out and build tracks back up because they've literally washed away and um yeah but if you go late in the season when a million other people have done it it's it's pretty straightforward these yeah. days do you, do you think more and more people are, are trying to do those trips like can you you've seen how many more people are up there yeah it's certainly more accessible now like you know shit you can deck your car out with a fridge dual battery people are taking coffee machines in their cars now that's me yeah like, <laughs> like, like the mod cons you can take yeah. with you is just it's made it accessible for so many people to get out there and have a go and um 
and as a result, and COVID as well, has just kept people in Australia. And so they're, they're just exploring. exploring it and heaps of people are checking out, which is cool. I think that's a real positive thing. I think I think that's really cool when families are doing their holidays in Australia, showing their yeah, kids Australia. Their kids, I yeah. think it's cool. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely changing. Like, give it another 20 years and it'll be very different yeah yeah I'm, I'm seeing tracks and you'll see this in the you know in the in the motorcycle like you know dirt bike game so many tracks are getting shut down left right and center yeah, and, yeah. and it's going to be a situation where the only shit you'll be able to do is on private property yeah down the track like and even that these days is gnarly like especially yeah. for us it's noise yeah you know like you can't build oh, true. you can't build well electric bikes well, that's what we were in Europe for we actually rode like the Tesla of motocross it was really fucking out of control so that's gonna that's change weird, yeah. yeah yeah it's gonna change everything that'll be weird with four drives that are quiet oh dude have you seen much of the the ford I've, f-150 yeah i've seen that it that thing looks mint I've have seen you seen them. that that's yeah, yeah. look that's look that shit up dude that's wild eh? and there's a hummer that i saw in the states a thousand horsepower really hummer yeah it does like not to 100 like three seconds and it weighs like fucking three or four ton it's amazing that's psych have you driven a tesla Nah, I've been I've been in a passenger as well. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've never, you know, you never know that feeling. Yeah, it's yeah. odd. It's super quiet, dude. These things. This this is a massive, massive move for Ford. That's the number one selling car in wow. America. Wow. And they now have an electric version of it, and it looks like I've watched a it's bunch cool, of reviews like, and shit, dude. I'm fucking all in. I'll, I'll, if we end up getting to do the America thing with the studio, I'll just get one just to fucking be a nerd because yeah. that that to me is sick. It's different, hey. I I like to don't don't get me wrong. I love to drive one. I think that actually go really well. There's, oh, a, part, there's a part of me. I just love old cars. Yeah. I love the the the, the sound. Yeah, the, yeah. man. Glow light. <laughs> I love I love like Aussie muscle cars. Yeah. I love old four wheel drives. I love anything that you've really got to steer. You know, but I'm also I just I'm a car head as well, and I just love yeah I love new cars that come out, and I'd, I'd give that thing a steer fucking oath man how's it like the cool how's the tr- the front space in the thing yeah that's odd there's no so, no engine in there massive like it's a that'll actually just change camping purely because it's the 240 volt capacity yeah. well, so that thing's that. got outlets the whole way through it so you could literally take your not your, your thermo fridge mixes and, and fridges yeah. and fucking run it off that i mean if you're traveling though like up cape york and shit but I mean, you wonder where solar's going to get to the point that, where they yeah. can charge on the go. That's the big thing, I suppose, is getting for Australia, getting that range, being able to do a thousand k's without plugging into some fancy charger. Imagine fruit bat falls with just, like a fucking yeah. Tesla charger, stay, oh, like a supercharger. We right laugh, there. bro, but it's going to be like, that'll happen. It'll it'll happen in our lifetimes, which is kind of crazy, man. The scary thing about the electric stuff is like I'm a decent rider yeah like you're a decent four-wheel driver you're not you're not a fucking winning world championships at four-wheel driving yeah but i got in the um i got in the this bike and it just made me such a so much better really so it was so a, much better and you just yeah. got to think like you like you'd know your limitations as a driver and you'd know the car's limitations and then so you go and add like this new tool like this With, and yeah, there'll be there'll be ways that it'll just like elevate your driving and yeah. the experience and and that's where 
the argument of the to and the fro like what you just said about the old cars to this new know. you know people are going to get in them and just be able to fucking drive like yeah. way better than they it's, could before you without know? a doubt without a doubt you, you you jump in like an old aussie muscle car and drive it and you know the thing's good in a straight line but anything else it's horrendous <laughs> it's like right yeah and you think it's quick because you you can hear the v8 engine and blah but it's like my missus got a golf and it would kill my monaro right it would, <laughs> it would smoke it in every single way yeah. like round corners even on the straight probably like a little gdi thing it goes like a share of shit that thing and um but there's that it's just a feeling, feeling that's all it it's is the vibe it's the gist but it's, it's the but constitution it's on paper it's definitely not a superior vehicle to anything modern there's no oh doubt about man a hundred percent but it'll be interesting to see what that particularly will do i think the they've got a noise feature like you can actually turn on to make it sound like an f-150 that's pretty sick so i think that might get some people across the line but i was watching a video i can't remember who did it um but they basically were at like the in texas at an american car convention and they were asking people about the electric car oh, and, yeah it'd be a tough crowd in texas then, maybe yeah and they were like he was reading out the spe- i think he was like reading out the spec sheet and they were like oh i'd like a piece of that that oh, sounds yeah, like a great yeah. car and they're like well it's electric and they're all like oh i ain't getting electric yeah that's, ex- that's exactly the thing on paper man like they they make those electric engines make instant talk like it's huge wild, amounts man. of talk like things that we can't comprehend with petrol or diesel and so like, and it's always there yeah it just no is, clutch just no linear, gears just power Show, find the hummer Wait, yeah, so the, i want to see what that looks this, like it's crazy man look at a thousand horsepower a thousand horsepower it's a lot like in, yeah <laughs> a vehicle that yeah that's it that's it we should see if there's any videos i think fuck that doesn't look that it's bad okay it's it's a proper big rig too and like it's it's stats are phenomenal go to the see if there's a youtube or something rones there we go just turn the volume down oh this is a fancy video did yeah you, did you just make this no no does have a little bit more dirt on it dude that looks sick eh yeah i think oh, don't quote me on that but it's got like a couple of thousand newton meters of torque Fuck. and a thousand a thousand horsepower and it naught to 60 in like yeah thousand horsepower and naught to 60 in like three and a bit seconds yeah eleven thousand yeah. wow so what's what's the head. dirty 30 got okay and it's, <laughs> and it's no slouchy old dirty 30 it's like it'll be close to 300 horsepower and probably nearly a thousand newton meters which is a bit of a beast and not even in the not, same fucking that, conversation. That thing could tow four of my dirty thirties and still while beat it. while your dirty thirties were all in reverse. Yeah, trying to pull and, it away would, from and it, it would and it would just smoke it all. Dude, that is gnarly. Yeah, I knew it was a couple of thousand, but I didn't think. It, yeah, eleven thousand. That's that's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, it's a nice Rubicon that yeah. thing nice little jeep Reigns has got himself a four wheel drive yeah it's a go that is wild dude so would you try and take one of them four wheel driving if someone gave me the keys to that I'd be all over it you mate. make that happen over there for sure yeah I'd love look I'd shit I'd love to have a steer to see what they're like I'd imagine because in four wheel driving low down torque is where it's at you could yeah. have 500 horsepower and but if might, you can't put it to the ground doesn't matter and if it doesn't make talk early in the rev range it's useless off-road i've seen people come out with like all these fancy rigs and that but 
they don't make any power until two and a half thousand RPM, and you need power, you know, from almost idle. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, th- so that's why some of these old like Hiluxes, like the little LN106s with like sixty kilowatts, no shit, and they'll outdrive all yeah. these other things because they, when you put them in low range, it's in, like they don't have much, but what you do have is it's available there. straight away. Yeah, and they'll, you know, you start to sink, you just put your foot down, and out it goes. And these other ones, you've got to spool it up before it gets to two and a half thousand rpm and then and it all spinning and, and all of a sudden you're already stuck and and you're just revving the shit out of it and does not going anywhere so but these things with with the torque so much of it and 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 probably instant yeah oh it would be man oh, geez, dude lots of air suspension and shit what the fuck yeah that's dude we're living in the future this is yeah okay have you watched this video before no i haven't this I is psycho yeah, and you can see... Oh, jeez. God, what? All right, so we're just fucking nerding for anyone that's just listening to the audio. We've got the uh, GMC Hummer EV um, on YouTube. Oh, here we go. Crab walk. What's this? Oh, rear steer. Yeah. Oh, what? It can rear steer as yeah, well? Yeah, it's pretty sick. Get fucked. Is this a real car? Is This a, this has to be I've free. seen one. I've seen one in the States just recently, like, parked up. Wow, dude. What a crazy vehicle. That It's off its head. How do you make it? Because this is like, a, I guess, one of the weird conversations about it. Um, you've got the sustainability aspect of this whole yeah. project where it's like, righto, we want to get away from fuels and shit. But so we were talking when we went to the Stark Varg. Um, show, um, show Sean, just go into our vlog and fast forward into the bit where we're riding the bike just to, um, just to, just to show like what this thing looks like. But, um, we, we were talking to the Anton, who's the CEO, he's like the Elon Musk of this company. Yeah. And, um, we were talking about doing some longer projects and stuff. And he's like, well, we could probably put a small jet engine with some biofuel that would charge the battery and i was just like fuck like maybe because the the problem oh this is this thing yeah so this is electric bike yeah fully electric and it is so much better than a regular dirt bike it's out of control and it's just in the most like subtle kind of ways but like this thing instant torque instant power no gear changes like the thing is just as good as (laughs) like a bike gets and this was i'd only done like a few laps on this thing that's man. wild yeah and it was just so insanely good so it's like not even a fact of you know because obviously like the range is an issue for yeah. the electric vehicles yeah but let's say that hummer right that's just a really good car like a very capable great off-road vehicle yeah. so it's like how do we get those things yeah. to last and maybe you'd have some kind of engine that's got biofuel that charges the battery so you actually can four-wheel drive for long periods yeah, of time yeah exactly and that, that that's where it will go like you know and that's a cool thing like i'd hate to see the price tag of that hummer right probably <sighs> i wonder what it, what it is oh, worth it'll make our eyes water i reckon to see it but i reckon that sort of technology in the near future is going yeah. to come down to your mum and dad for all drives and it's just going to be out of control like you what, what do you it. think cars are going to be able to do like because our cars limited by performance in some places yeah. to where you you need more out of a car than because, what you can because it's the compromise right you, you just can't make a car that can do everything 84 650 oh, right. us that's actually, oh wait ev1 so that's the cheapest one so starting at 84.6 oh yeah but that's still 
That's okay. I thought it's it was going to be like a million dollar car. No. I thought it was out of control. Okay, that's... Yeah, right. Oh, the future's here, eh? So you are you on that reservation list? Nah, it's only nah. one hundred and ten. So yeah. that's the available fall twenty twenty one. I wonder what. Wait, so just trying to figure out which one's the better one. Yeah, there's probably one probably because there's more. one that's so that's available in twenty twenty one. Then you got twenty twenty two, and then you got. Yeah, but so that's the good one. That's got yeah, a thousand got, horsepower and eleven and a half. Yeah, and torque. what up to three hundred and sort of thirty miles range. So what's that about? What five hundred, so, six hundred k's? Yeah. So what is it? Two point no, two point two is pounds. What's it's one point six. Yeah, yeah, is, yeah. So yeah, five hundred and something say kilometers, which is probably better than I thought as well. Decent day for a big rig. Yeah. I, I reckon if you're using a thousand horsepower, all of it. In, you'd, you know, yeah, you'd you'd go, through it yeah, a bit, you'd go but, down, but still. And so, like, are there, like, because what you're looking at is tech here, yeah. like, you know, there's like this. Cars are so mechanical, yeah, in their form now. Like yeah. your, the cars that you're in, it's not a lot of tech in there. You can talk about tech and suspension and things like that, but it's not like software. No, that's when shit gets gnarly. Is oh. when you got computers that do the things for you. You're not down to mechanical tech. Like software yeah. tech is kind of where it's at and i got that feeling when i rode the stark of just like jesus christ like this thing is it just made me a better rider yeah so it's like you think about going into a four-wheel drive sense it's like what will you be able to do that you just you were limited to before well, even that rear steer like that i've seen that in competition trucks like buggies and shit that drive over gnarly big rocks like you don't you don't get that in normal vehicles right and you'll see a lot of that sort of stuff because you can't you can't make a vehicle that performs really well off-road and really good on-road there's no yeah there's this like compromise medium, yeah. so if it's better off-road chances are it's shitter on-road there's yeah. just there's there's a compromise that you have to sort Hence, of have drive into the four-wheel drive track with your car on a trailer yeah yeah exactly so so um if they can sort of make these things capable off-road and also they have on-road manners as well like it's going to be an animal the only thing that concerns me and this is every single aussie's in the same boat they're a bit reluctant to change when it comes to these things you think shit when you're up in cape york taking it through deep water crossings as dust yeah, all through it, yeah. are these things going to survive electric's going to just shut it down and you're not going to be able to pull out your little 12-piece spanner kit and go yeah. all right we'll just yeah. we'll just fix this up and be on our way the thing is going to require a flatbed and a laptop plugged into the side of it to yeah. work out what's wrong with it right yeah so it's a bit of a catch-22 it's probably going to be super capable but well that stark the bike is waterproof yeah see see <laughs> these things are it's psycho you know what, dude you know what it's they're probably going to be amazing things yeah. there's no two ways about it it's going to change what we do and, and how we do it um I'd, I'd be super keen to have a crack, eh? Just to see what they're like. Like, I can, you know, just say, oh, they're not going to work real well in Cape York. But until you, you probably, you know, we take a D-Max, which we've got a, a D-Max. It's a modern vehicle. Um, you know, lots of electronics and stuff on it. We've had the thing properly flooded. I mean, we we once got this D-Max so fucking flooded. There was water <laughs> up to Graham's chest. It, 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 it go into this fucking crazy limp mode. Windows started going up and down by themselves. <laughs> we, we pulled the ECU out, put it on a fucking rock to dry. With some rice. Yeah, <laughs> literally, if we had rice, we would have. We sat it on a rock and waited a couple of hours until it was dry, put it back together and drove off. And like this is a modern car, everyone goes, yeah. "Oh, you can't take a modern car up there because they'll shit themselves." 
well, not really. It We've taken up many times and proper fucked it and it still keeps going. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. That's You just got to get your head around it, I think, the biggest thing to start with. like Yeah. And just, you know, have a bit of an open mind because, yeah, you're probably right. These things would probably be off tap. Uh, anything else that stands out to you on that little list? Yeah. Th- Zero to 16, 3.3 seconds. Fucking heavy. That's wild. You got to drive a Tesla. You should just yeah. rent, you should just rent one for a day. Yeah, I should just to get my yeah. head around how that all works because and feel the control yeah. and stuff. We we uh, shout to this dude Nathan. We we shot an intro for our Stark video, so we drove a Tesla because I'd I'd never driven one. Yeah, and got in the thing. It's it's all the stuff you don't even really think of either. Like uh, you don't really have to just city driving on a Tesla. You just don't have to use the brakes so like See that. you just you drive that throttle and then let's say you're coming up to a roundabout and you've got to give way and then you might stop you literally just take your foot off the pedal and it's got an it's just got engine braking that'll roll to a stop there's no like gears in the car that will keep going so you set the engine brake and then you just roll up to your stop sign or you give way or your traffic light i literally didn't use the brakes one time driving from this where is... i picked the car up to the studio and then we fitted like the we put the red and shit inside it and then we went and drove it wasn't until i was doing like fucking 240 k's an hour that i actually used the brakes Fuck. see that's yeah see that even my head's not there yet because i haven't experienced you should just go drive i'm so used to old cars where you've got to like you got to hope the brake works because you need every bit of that. You got to pump it a few times before you want to use it in anger. <sighs> That'd be yeah. I just got to check check it out because like that whole thing of just it drives itself. Like I yeah, it probably does a way better job of like than most people driving. Like oh for sure. Just, and I just think that yeah, there's all these little like I'd just be super. I'd be super interested to like get especially if you could get your hands on one of these things i wonder if like hummer in australia is bringing them in it'd be super cool if they do i'll put my hand up but yeah there's probably just so many things where you're like i could never do that in a four-wheel drive like i've yeah. always looked at that and i've never been able to do it or you know obviously there's give and take it's early you know it's 500 k's range but yeah. it's like that if you could take it there just to just purely as a four-wheel drive nerd of like yeah what can this do i'll take i'll take a trailer with a generator and a bit of fuel and we'll we'll make it work i'd like to take one to cape york and and do all those things that you know you might be a bit apprehensive like can it go through deep water can it do this yeah, yeah. like because you're probably right they're probably sealed motors and they will yeah. do extremely well way better than your old shit boxes through those sort of trains so We'll have to give it a go. It'll be super popular. I think everyone probably wants to know how these things will go. We just haven't seen enough evidence yeah, of what yeah. they can do off-road. Yeah. Yeah, it's coming. And then you got like the Tesla truck too, which like yeah, that, that, that'll be truck That looks pretty loose. That It's a whole new thing. That Yeah, the future, brave new world, eh? <laughs> I, I definitely don't think you're going to run out of content to make. That's it. And that's about evolving, I suppose, yeah. what we do, hey? Yeah, there's even dudes doing like um, those like EV conversions on like old cars yeah so right there's this like there you go there's a build for you yeah imagine that turning like the old farm truck oh, into an ev or something dude, imagine <laughs> that that would wild. be sick the driving this old car around that's super quiet yeah. it's got a thousand horsepower or whatever that's yeah that's off its head hey oh here we go yeah that's crazy fuck yeah that's, that's mental people dude. are doing these conversions so you still get the stylish look of an old cool car but yeah, look, That's there you go. Wild. Listen, there's my farm truck and EV. Converting classics to electric. That yeah, is wow. so cool, dude. Wow. 
That's got to give me a couple of ideas. That'll put a horn on a jellyfish. Yeah. I mean, it's do It's obviously doable. Yeah, it's happening. What, so I wonder what kit. What what are people running in this thing? Just, just like a big old. What's what's that motor. one there? The go left reins. That one there. Oh yeah. So that that looks like That's the, the crate motor, electric crate. car. Yeah. Bang! Click into that. So it even made it look like a real motor. Yeah. Fuck, that's cool, eh? Yeah. Actually, is really cool. There you go. There's your next farm truck build. Yeah, exactly. Imagine, yeah, oh, that'd be super cool to do. I wonder how many of those are... Um, oh, there you go. Tesla crate motor. Go to EV West unveils Tesla crate motor. There you go. Click into the actual website. See what that's all about. EV conversion one-stop shop EV West has announced a new Tesla crate motor kit designed to convert V8 muscle cars to EVs. The drop-in package consists of a complete Tesla drive unit including inverter and mounting brackets. Our new Revolt Tesla crate motor allows uh, crate motor mounts to your small block motor mounts and attaches directly to your drive shaft allowing you to use your existing rear axle. Wow. This is a whole thing. Yeah, it's, it's going to happen. Fuck. What car would you do it on? The oldest, yeah. shittiest one that you yeah. could. Yeah, yeah. Put I, like that Tesla iPad screen in there and shit imagine as well. Imagine that. Fuck, that'd be cool. That'd be pretty wild. I certainly wouldn't do it to my Monaro. Nah. Couldn't, you couldn't change a muscle car. That's the whole... Like, You'd actually get deported. Yeah, fair enough too. <laughs> You'd fully get fair deported. Fair enough. They should take it off you if you're going to do that. And yeah, don't imagine just like an 80 series or something that's quite capable off-road and you've got an electric motor in it that'd yeah. just be up its head you got yeah it is it'd be wild it's i guess my brain's never really gone there over the years but that'd be it'd probably do everything i want to do but better yeah it's, just the range would be the yeah that would hold me back i wouldn't be able to do some of the trips i do but for the local ones and yeah stuff, yeah it's just unbelievable <laughs> unbelievable <laughs> Well, uh, we'll have to do a trip, I reckon. We've uh, I've kept you in here for, for three yeah, hours, man. mate. So yeah. we'll, uh, we'll let you get out of here and get back to crushing it at the uh, at the four-wheel drive world. But um, yeah. yeah, we'll do a trip or something at some yeah. point. Hey, offers there if you want to come do the if you want to come do the cape. Oh man, if I if I could get half a chance, I'd be all over it. I mean, what date? What uh, what dates? I think we're doing or end of August, early September. No. I'll, I'll be at the spot. Melbourne four-wheel drive show and I'm, I'm going to be in Tasmania, I think, in the early part of that month or the late part. I never know. I never yeah. know. You know, I never look at my have schedule. You got, have you just got a, Have you got someone that does your schedule? Yeah, and it's all on like Fuck, Google how's calendars. That? How's that go? Yeah, I just don't look at it because it... it <sighs> that's the dream. That's, because, that's my next step. I want to be there. Because it, I, I like, when I come home, it's like pretty sacred to come home and I'm like stoked and I always think I'm going to be home for ages. So instead of looking at the dates when I have to leave again, I just put that out of my mind and then I usually have to like get a car ready the night before i'm going to tasmania or the high country yeah, so. Yeah. <laughs> so i never know what i'm doing but but um but yeah it's it'd be super cool imagine that right i'd love to do that just i'd be so out of Bucket my comfort list, zone just yeah tick it off. just yeah and like you're saying do it your your family do it your dad your brother like yeah. that's that'd be off its head man yeah. my that's a, my screen uh my fucking i probably got yeah a thousand messages hang on 
yeah that's my wallpaper yes. it's just like my favorite photo man it's just me and my dad and my brother up standing at the sign and yeah we've been there a bunch of times and oh, that's fucking me that's like it. i that, love that love that photo eh? that's cool that's what it's all about man making memories like that that's what it's about well let's do a trip at some point if it's not if it's not cape york you're welcome on any one of the Mate, any one of the trips happen. and uh make yeah, it, I can I'll, show, I'll show you boys how to ride if you like i'd love to man i need all that <laughs> fucking yeah <laughs> But no, I appreciate it. Like I said nah. before too, I, I don't have that many people that I talk to on this level. And, you know, you've got a great company and you guys have been doing a lot of great shit for a really long time. So for me to get, you know, pick your brain and talk yeah, about man. content and all that sort of stuff. I it's, love it too. It's cool. It's always good fun. Yeah. Cool, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on, eh? It's, no no drama. It's been heaps of fun. I can't believe it's been three hours or whatever it's been. Yeah, it goes quick, That's eh? It's wild. Yeah, I told I, you, Mark, a few hours. I didn't know if I would be able to sit down for that long, to be honest. I thought I'd get restless lock, lock up yeah i've never been i don't think i've sat down unless i'm in a driver's seat for yeah for this long but it's been it's been fun that's why yeah no i appreciate it well yeah cool. now nah, first one you're done 